my lord. Oh, Randy Orton momentarily distracted, and here's the reason why. Kofi Kingston unloading on Randy Orton. Kofi Kingston has not stood for Randy Orton's bullying. Kofi Kingston refuses to be pushed around. And Kofi Kingston is not letting up. Orton didn't want any of him tonight, and here comes Kingston. Randy trying to fight back desperately, and you can see the expression on Orton's face. Almost like, why don't you go away, Kofi? Give it up, let it go. Evan, this is just wide open fury amongst the masses here at Madison Square Garden. Look at Kingston go! That's the unpredictable athleticism of Kofi Kingston. Officials desperately trying to separate the two. Oh, and it's still going at it! It's one of those steel lids to one of the technical cases. Last time the WWE title changed hands in this city was 2000, and that match featured the game Triple H. Oh, oh, what in the world? Oh, oh, I told you, King. I told you. What I called it. Get the look on Cena's face. <laughs> there, ladies and gentlemen, is vintage Shawn Michaels. I love it. Shawn Michaels has made a career yeah. about being in the center <laughs> of the storm, <laughs> and he did it again. What? Let's go. Here we go now. Come on. This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the Professor Chalbello Veracruz. Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen. The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. says I just whipped your ass. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. Woo! Look at this. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Brainwash mine. 
What is going on, man? Reflection Nights. What is going on there to the Big Vitoites? What's going on there to the PWCites? What's going on there to the Harminites? What is going on there to the Magnificent 70 Elite 8, the Naughty 9, the Terrific 10, and all that spiel? It is a Thanksgiving hangover edition of the PWR. It is a Thanksgiving hangover edition of the Pro Wrestling Reflection. And we're going episodic for a reason. Yeah, you know why? Because something happened last weekend. Something happened last weekend that I made an executive decision. And TW agreed with it 100% that the parameters of what happened, we couldn't do a show because no one would have cared about going nostalgic. No one would have cared about going back in the time machines to a certain degree. Because the professor was, was smiling from ear to ear. TW was smiling from ear to ear for different reasons. It's not the reason that we're marking out for somebody. It was, we were laughing because of what we saw on social media. We were laughing at what we were seeing on the PWS Facebook fan page. We were laughing at what people were trying to defend the AEW Martyrs, the WWE shows. It is all apropos. But before we all, before we get into that kind of little two minute to five minute discussion, I must introduce myself because I am vain like that. I must introduce myself because you know what? After the Thanksgiving hangover, you know, the trip of fan worked. The professor was tired. The professor was full. And now the professor is looking to, to, to greener pastures. We're looking for the ham on Christmas. But again, I don't want to count down. I want to do the countdown. Even though Christmas songs, it's okay to do. Even though, you know, we have to decorate the tree. It's the right time. It's the right time of the season to do it. You don't do it on November 1st. You do it the day after Thanksgiving. That's the professor rule. But anyway... I am the most charismatic one. I am the most scholarly one. I am the most effervescent one. But most importantly, I am the most glorious one. The only objective man in this IWC, YWC, PWC punditry. The only objective man in this political spectrum. The only objective man in this Facebook fan page. In this wrestling conundrum. That is CM Punk. But anyway, we'll neither here nor there. The Professor Trevor Cruz. And I'm not here alone. No, 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 no. I am here with my brother from another mother. I am here with the conservative liberal. The liberal conservative. Dum dum do idiots own. The man that's going to be eat. That has been eating good since Thanksgiving. And it's going to be eating good at Christmas. And I hear a fucking echo. I don't know why. It must be because something's going on in the Hall of Wonders. Something is going on in Detroit, Michigan. Tommy Wonder, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. And yes, man down. Man down. He was assassinated by MGF. Um, dude, listen to me. First of all, we're covering an awesome show. I think it was awesome. It was, I mean, you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that for the reflection. I will introduce the show in, in a second. Mm-hmm. But. but. Look at this. I even did this as a peace offering right here. I wore this. Kenny is Omega. It, is, it a, is it a peace offering or is it gloating? No, it's a peace offering. Uh, okay. But I will say this. If you, like, I don't care who you are. If you're anti-WWE, because they've been shit for years. And I don't watch it, yet you know everything about it. If you're one of them, if you're not excited right now for WWE, it's not possible. Your, mm-hmm. your personal hate 
and personal, whatever you're upset about, because they don't do uh, lingerie matches anymore, whatever made you a fan in the first place. Listen, just one night alone, there's three people that came back, because I'm not going to not include our truth, because that dude, he's right here on my wall somewhere, right there. Our uh-huh. truth, Randy Orton, and obviously CM Punk all came back on the same night. Drew McIntyre is a heel. You already had Drew McIntyre versus Cody Rhodes coming. You already had him versus, well, he beat Jey Uso pretty easy. But but anyway, you, you just have so much possibility right now with so many guys. And that's just the ones in that match. And then R-Truth, obviously, coming back. He's just more fun when he's there, right? It's a better night when R-Truth is on your TV, whatever brand it is. And so, but Randy... Randy Orton coming back. And let me tell you something. You know it. I am as big a critic as there is for all of it. I fast forward through most of it. I don't think all of it's great. But let me tell you something. In the last five years, nothing is better than everything leading up to Saturday night last weekend. Nothing. Because not only were they making these little references and denying them, which made people think, is that a rib or is that really a reference? You didn't know. At best, mm-hmm. you were 50-50, right? And which is which worst, is the way it's, which is the way it's supposed to be because that's right. the fans enjoying it. Right, because that leads you to either be excited or let down when it has or doesn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. But, but 50-50 at best, you are not. And if you had any, like, confidence in it being one way or the other, it would be that he wasn't coming back. Right? Right. And then they announced Randy Orton as the partner a week before the show, five days before the show, but he never says his name. He lets the crowd say it, and then Cody just says, they're right. Doesn't, there could have been four people yelling CM Punk, right? Mm -hmm. So now you, you, and he made obviously Viper references and Apex Predators and all that, but, and then there's a leak that says they did that because they didn't want people to be disappointed when it wasn't CM Punk when Randy Orton came out. Like, that would ruin... I don't think that would have happened for the record. But this is all part of it, right? Mm -hmm. So now you're like, oh, fuck, it's Randy Orton. I'm bummed out, right? So then, all the way down to the fucking wire. He's not here yet. He's not here. Randy Orton's not here. And other than Damian Priest mentioning Randy Orton by name on Friday night... But also in insinuating if you show up, right? So he threw that in there. We're going to make sure you don't have another comeback. So then the, the time comes for him to come out and wrestle. And that place started chanting CM Punk, right? In, no, no, in, they, they chanted CM Punk during the match before he entered. Right. But and, when, and this, well, let me just say this. This was the beauty of Triple H being the booker of the year because he manipulated the Chicago crowd. Right. Beautifully right. that he... He knew that the echo chamber of Chicagoans were gonna mention was gonna say CM Punk. Right. But Triple H was smart enough in his booking to make sure that it didn't drown out the pay-per-view, that it didn't hijack the pay-per-view. They kind of you know, it festered in certain matches, but it wasn't crazy that it was like overwhelming. And it wasn't and the way they new. Booked, it just, it's and, just they've done it for the first time in a while. Right. And, and the beauty of it was they booked or not being there yet. So like you said, it was to protect themselves with the CM Punk references, but also to give Randy Orton the justifiable pop that he deserved to be that fifth member. And Go then ahead. when the when the time went out and no one come out, the place was booing. They're like, what the fuck? 
fuck? It's neither one of them. <laughs> and they're just mad, right? And then because, when because Rhea comes out, behind there. You knew our truth Rhea was there. comes out with the suitcase, and they're all confused now. Now the crowd's just like, what the fuck is happening here? And then his music hit, and it was electric. But I'm going to tell you right now, you know, a year ago, I still couldn't stand this man, right? Mm-hmm. And he had the same thing that Cody had. It's the reason I didn't like either one of them. And I promise you, if and I don't mean him because he would have a, a justification. But if Kenny Omega somehow made it to WWE or Hangman Page, it's probably not going to happen because they're idiots and they probably resigned for eight years. If any of those guys came, MJF, if he came to WWE and then shit all over AEW for the whole time he's there, not on TV, but in interviews and everything else, I would not like him because you don't bite the hand that feeds. That's my problem. This guy, however, that entire year he was there was just absolutely blamed for everything when this shit's still happening with him gone. So he, whatever. So this man a year ago, I hate it. Professor, I'm not lying to you. I'm man enough to admit this. I fucking had it ruined for me because I was out Saturday night. I came home Sunday morning, turned it on, fast forward. I knew it happened. I knew it was coming. And there's that moment where they're all standing there like this, holding hands after the the win. Mm -hmm. That's when I thought the music hit based on what I saw online. Because it was still photos. And uh, I I had butterflies. And then when he came out, I'm getting emotional now. I was thinking about that crowd. I thought it was big when he came back for AEW. This made that look like it happened in a beer tent. It, it, it was next level. And there's a moment where you look at him and it looks like, and I don't know if he's even capable of this, it looked like he almost teared up. And then he stopped and he smirked and then he ran over. And dude, he hugged dudes that we would cross the street if they were walking towards us and go to the other side of the street. And it was just, it was magic, man. It was absolutely, the the camera was shaking. And, and I told my buddies this yesterday, I would compare it to, it's, it's top two or three returns ever with Hardy Boys, him, and Cody. And and Cody's was a little different because everyone kind of knew him and Hardy Boys. It's it's just, I mean, Hardy Boys well, had the Har- same. Yeah, it was, you knew it. You just had to know. You when. knew it, but you didn't because they lost the night before to the Young Bucks somewhere. Again, but I told you, this fucking, was the worst guest set. You, we, I knew right. it. So. But the way they came out, man, it was the same thing. I felt the same way for Punk. As I did for Hardy's, and I like them. I don't like. I like him now because of his time in AEW, and and the fact that everyone's mad at him for trying to make it better, because that's what he was trying to do. And the proof is, it was working. Because the shit's worse now that he's not there. So it's like, what are you gonna do? All their all their new announcement signings are Jay White, Will Ospreay. They've all fucking wrestled there eight times before they get announced as their new signing, and it's like. No, every that's the worst kept secret in wrestling. And the fun part of that is Will Ospreay's not an idiot. He talked about things implying that he was open to WWE so he could get every last fucking penny from Tony Khan and he got it and more than he probably even thought he'd get. Because and, and that's he, what these guys the, do. And they he got work the schedule them. and he got the yeah. schedule that he wanted. And who to. blames him? I don't blame him. No, I don't blame I don't, him. I don't blame him. And let, let me put a bow on this reflection nice because the reason why both of us are laughing has really nothing to do with like him coming back it was 50 50 no matter what right the the laughter i have i don't know if tw agrees with this but he knows where i'm going to come from is i got the go receipt. joe smith 
I, I'm not saying names, <laughs> but I got receipts of people on social media. I got receipts of people with the, let's say, the, the same energy at, uh, atmosphere. You know what I'm saying, TW? Like, mm-hmm. people want to see him punk. To to blur the lines in AEW with the potential of fighting the Young Bucks, with the potential of fighting Kenny Omega and draw a lot of money. And, you know, whether you say Punk was immature, which, again, I don't know about the stuff because the dirt sheets have been lying about seeing Punk for multiple years. So I don't know what's true or what's not. But let's just say this from a fan's perspective. You wanted him to blur the lines with the elite on AEW television and AEW pay-per-views to make a lot of money. Now he comes to WWE, there's a potential for him to blur the lines with Seth Rollins, who has said he doesn't like CM Punk. There's potential where he could blur the lines to work with uh, Roman Reigns. And he doesn't like CM Punk. But you know the difference, Reflectionites? Leadership. Triple H, Nick Khan, Vince McMahon, Michael Hayes, Bruce Pritchard. I'm just naming names. They will get them in a room and they will say, you know what? We're going to make money out of this. That's the difference. Tony Khan. I'll tell you another difference. Tony Khan, just like TW said, is a mark for the business. And he couldn't do what was right for the business and make money out of this. Go ahead, TW. Roman Reigns and Seth, 100%, probably have no issue with CM Punk. Why the hell do you keep eating during a live show, man? I'm fucking starving, Jesus Christ. So they probably have just been working this side angle for the long game, thinking if he ever comes back, he's going to be in there with me or him. Because Mm -hmm. they set it up long before he even got there. And so much so... That these same people that are belly aching and have no, no, they're, he's gonna fail. He's gonna, we're the same ones crying with the fucking handkerchief pulled down off their face when he came back. These same people are the ones who will say that Seth and, and Roman talking about him is proof that there's tampering, right? They, they're the ones who will say, oh, he knew he was going back when he showed up at that Raw. He, he said he wanted to get fired. When the fuck did he say he wanted to get fired? He might have said, please fire me, like in frustration when someone was talking shit to him. But let me tell you something. He got escorted out of the building when he showed up to that Monday Night Raw. So they're not idiots. No, no, time out. They're not idiots. If they were mm-hmm. doing any kind of talking, it wouldn't have been at a fucking Monday Night Raw live where everybody and their brother could see it. All right, let's put a bow in this. But just remember. It's not tampering when somebody else within the company will, you know, bring that olive branch. Right. Like when Edge went to AEW, you knew who was the the go between. That was Christian. Yeah. Christian was talking for Tony. Yeah. Christian was talking for Tony Khan, and Christian was making sure. And then when it was legal, you get that reflection. It's legal for Tony Khan to talk. It was a no brainer. The same thing with CM Punk. Once all in happened, and once all that shit happened. Guess who was the real go-between, and you know who it was? Cody. Cody was the good old... Be- Cody. Seth. I would say Cody more because Cody understands it because he was an EVP. He knows... Right. He likes He likes that kind of shit to do. He likes to be given more responsibility. You think he got to find his feet? I bet you he will. I bet you he got a <laughs> compensation for that shit. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not saying I have concrete 
Benjamin Proof. I know Cody is a great go-between kind of like, you know, public relations PR kind of guy to talk first. Then you get Nick Khan. Then you get Triple H when it's legal reflection nights to talk to Punk and then do what they got to do. So with that being said, again, it was the greatest executive decision I ever made to say, you know what, let's just push this back. And we call this the hangover edition because, again, I didn't want to talk about going back in the time machines. I wanted to talk about CM Punk. We don't do that, so we blurred the lines here. So we talked about it for a couple of minutes. But with that being said, right, TW? It's now apropos to go back in the time machines. It's apropos to go episodic. And it's apropos to talk about episode 178. God damn it. And we are <laughs> going to do a Survivor Series from 2009. So, Travis, that, you know, it's 10 years plus. This is third. What is this, TW? This is almost... Damn, this is a long time. This is this is 14 years old almost. 13 it's exactly 14 years old. 14 years old. God damn it. Jesus Christ. You know, again, there was less grays on my face. There was less grays on TW's face. And, you know, you know, Reflection Nights, I'm going to say this because we're going to do it a little bit differently because we will talk about certain matches on this. But the reason I picked this TW is just look at the roster. Just look at the way the roster was, you know, conveyed in 2009. We are in the, at the, would I, TW, would you agree this is the peak of the ruthless aggression era? Yeah. Because this, this roster had a hybrid of, you know, John Cena's ruling the roost. Undertaker's ruling the roost. You had your core of the, of the pillars, the staples, if you will, John Cena. Undertaker, DX, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho was there, Big Show was there, and all that stuff. But then you had the sprinkles of FCW. You had the sprinkles of ECW being that developmental brand where you had Kofi Kingston, where you had Cody Rhodes, you had Ted DiBiase Jr., and you had Sheamus coming up the pikes, coming up, and, try, and they're trying to, to develop them. And you had a man who was already world heavyweight champion, TW, and he's holding that action figure, CM Punk. So what's CTW? Because, again, this is the peak of the Ruthless Aggression Era. But, again, Vince McMahon is trying to balance having your stalwarts, but also you have to do what's right for business and trying to develop and groom people to the next level. And it's funny that we're in 2023, and there's a joke, TW, that WWE is almost kind of like breaking its own rules because remember the attitude era you know they were making fun of wcw because they were hanging on to the 40 year olds and stuff like that and they were the ones with the 20 year olds the 25 year olds and all that stuff in the 2020 dress most of their rosters is late 30s early 40s and but that's technically prime but what's atw about the mindset well, here's, here's here's the amazing thing 2009 14 years ago with the exception of the divas match all these matches, almost every fucking one of these people are still there. 14 mm -hmm. years later. Or they, and they, or, were, they le or they left. And came back. But, but the I mean, they're still back. going. Mm -hmm. If you look at the 1987 Survivor Series, the first one. Oh, God, you'd be the gatekeeper and tell me how many are dead. No, no. I'm <laughs> saying off the top of my head, we could we could say this. And I don't even mean now. And I don't, mm -hmm. I didn't say who's dead. No, no. Actually, I didn't even pay attention to this one who's dead. That's, that's funny you say that. But anyway, uh, so to 87 Survivor Series, just go to 92. Mm -hmm. There's not, there's almost none of them are still there by 92, right? 
the really young guys like Brett, Sean, guys like that are there, but all the main guys. So for them to be there 14 years later, and I know some left and came back, but 14, we'll just say 15 years later, they're still there. That's that's mm-hmm. unheard. When we were a kid, the changeover was like fluid, man. It was it was changing all the time with you know certain stars. Hogan was always there. Uh, Brett, Sean, they were always there, and Sean's there now. Shit, in a capacity, but it's it's crazy that 2009. And this is the thing we talked about this before. I guarantee if there was the internet going like it is today, people would have shit all over this show. But it's a testament to the talent on the show in 2009 that most of them, and if they're not here in WWE still, they're in AEW. So they're still around regardless, which I have some tidbits to sprinkle in as we talk about some of the things that went down on there. That it's, it's just mind-blowing to me, the, the, the coincidences. It is very mind blowing again, but you know, I'll say this because 2009, I think YouTube is in its infancy, give or give or take, because I don't think people are taking advantage of YouTube and the, the potential of what it could be with, with it, because, you know, people just did it just, they treated it like a TikTok, really. They just treated it like just having fun and stuff like that. But then when people when people were trying to be entrepreneurial and saying, you know what, the system is not going to hold me down. I, I'm going to create my own system and all that stuff with podcasts and all that stuff. They, they, the potential was there for you to, but people didn't grasp it like it is today. And I get you with that, you know, in that sentiment, but there were still people talking about it. There were still people like bitching about, you know, WWE. And this is 2009 TW. WWE is the stalwart of America. TNA is still trugging along as the number two in America, but it is not, you know, getting that traction that it oh, needs. I know you meant right now. <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm talking about 2009 and ROH is doing its thing. But, you know, there's that little bit of rumblings of the hardcore wrestling fan that's like, you know what? WWE is cogging up all the spotlight. It's messing up what wrestling should be, the purity of wrestling, the way the wrestling should be because it's getting too hokey and all this shit. But... For all it's worth, Reflection Nights, this Survivor Series 2009, again, 14 years ago, from Washington, D.C., with a, an attendance of 12,500. But one thing that caught the professor's eyes was the pay-per-view buy rate, TW, because, you know, as much as anything, this is a difference. And this is not making fun of uh, AEW right now. But AEW, you know, people relish that AEW can have a range of pay-per-view buys of let's say 125,000 to maybe almost 200,000. And if you get 200,000, that's a big, big fucking deal in 2020 thrust with the advent of streaming, with the advent of pirating shit like that. WWE, this was 225,000 pay-per-view buys with no streaming, with no kind of, you know, if you pirated it, you, you found a way to pirate, but that shit was buffering like a motherfucker. It's 80s was, porn. It, it was 80s porn. It was it was 2000s porn because it was buffering so much. But you was if you're not if you're not going to pay 60 bucks, which the professor didn't. It took me five years. No, six years later, TW, until the, the creation of the WWE Network for me to, you know, uh, invest in that for 10 bucks a month, which is the best investment because that was NXT and monthly pay-per-views. I was not going to buy monthly pay-per-views for WWE at 60 bucks a pop for a whole fucking year. You do the math reflection. That's, that's, that's rent. That's, that is, 
six seven hundred twenty dollars in just pay-per-views not to mention the tax because they that's more that's mortgages that's that's insu that's insurance payments that's right there. Most payment yeah th there you go that's child support all that shit so uh, the professor was not going to do that oh the professor only paid for his royal rumble and wrestlemania that was it that was my 60 bucks that i pay for yearly when i lived alone from, when, when i'm living alone for myself but tw this was in washington dc so let me get one match out of the way because it caught the professor's eye because, again, 2020 Thress in 2009, and the joke is there, TW. But I got to talk about this because, again, this match was short, and we, you know, you probably didn't like it, but I have to talk about it. But Reflectionites, there was, it was very, uh, you can see the potential and what it could have been. This was untapped potential in a character. But Batista versus Rey Mysterio Jr., TW. The funny thing about this match is the joke, TW, about Rey Mysterio. Everybody betrays Rey Mysterio. Eddie Guerrero did it. Uh, Batista did it. Dominic Mysterio has done it. Santos Escobar has done it. So the, the thing that pops into the professor's head reflection, I says, is it really on them? Or does Rey have is, has his culpability? It's Rey's fault for some reason. If everybody's pissed at Rey, then you got to look at yourself in the mirror, Rey. You are the problem if people are pissed at you. But the one thing that's funny besides that, because that, that angle for Ray Mysterio has been, has been going on for almost 20 years. Everybody betrays him because you're so sympathetic because he is the short guy. He's, he's five foot, you know, eight, 190 pounds, soaking wet. But he, you know, he brings so much empathy, you feel sorry for him. But the problem I have with this match and I don't know if Vince McMahon even knew that it was going to happen, but it was in Washington, D.C. What's the problem there, T.W.? That is Batista's hometown. So yeah. you're not going to get what Vince McMahon really needed. You know, SmackDown, you know, wasn't live all the time. SmackDown can manipulate, if you will, in quotes, Reflectionites, that, you know, the people were booing Batista out of the building when he betrayed Rey Mysterio, that he was punishing Rey Mysterio. We were in Washington, T.W. They were like bloodthirsty. They were cheering for One their hometown. One more time. <laughs> yeah, they were cheering for their hometown hero. But again, we were seeing the untapped potential persona of Batista because eventually months later, he would become like, let's say, Hollywood Batista. The sunglasses, wearing kind of like the, the suit, the tailor-made suits becoming almost braggadocious and all that. And that was the character that I loved about Batista before he kind of like, you know, took his, not took his ball and went home, but he, you know, he, he had enough, you know, the wear and tear and he wanted to test his waters in Hollywood and he's made it, you know, he's made a career out of, you know, doing the, the Avengers and all that shit. But that character, it was in its beginning stages and he needed that character change because again, you know how fickle fans are Oh, he was getting boring as the hero, you know, and all this. How the hell can somebody being six foot five, six foot four, six foot five, 260, 70 pounds, looking like a juggernaut, be boring? But again, that's just neither here nor there. It's the tattoo. So it's the belly button tattoo. But go ahead. I guess. But what say you about this, all this? Because again, what Batista could have become if he, if he stayed maybe more, let's say more for two years, because this character was like only developed so small. It had so much potential, but again, he left after that. So what's ATW by all this? Yeah, you know what? He's someone that grew on me. Like I never was really like it's funny because you got like a Tyson Tomko, you got there's a couple other guys, 
uh, Sean O'Hare and Gingerat, where they they look like a million bucks, but they can't talk and they can't uh-huh. necessarily work, right? And that's not okay. necessarily their fault. You know, you got a guy like me who's a huge fan of guys that you know typically fought for the IC title that could go and they were smaller. So some of these guys were just big, so they couldn't go like Sean and Brett would go, but they still could go. But it was the not being able to talk that just made them, you know? And But right. that's why Batista got over is because he was in a faction where Flair or Hunter did the talking, right? And mm-hmm. But inevitably, when, when he first... So this is... You're telling me this is around the time... No, no, that was one of the comebacks where he came back and he quit on, in the wheelchair... What year was that? This, this is it. 2010. Oh, that's why I said that. The, that was in the, 2010 when he's in the wheelchair? Yeah. Like, this, poten- this potential character, which has so much promise, only lasted for so little time because then that's when he left to pursue the Hollywood thing. But he he like he almost came across as a spoiled brat and it worked. Right. Mm-hmm. But you could still see he was struggling. You know, like my I criticize it all the time. The thing I don't like about Daniel Bryan is that he cannot do anything without cracking a smile or flat out laughing when it's supposed to be serious when he's in a wrestling ring. It's 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 probably a nervous tick, whatever. Batista mm-hmm. was that for me. He just struggled to do promos. But then when he came back a couple different times, he was better. And I'm sure Hollywood helped that, you know, doing movies and stuff probably got him more comfortable with with lines but but that like you said right around then is when he started because when he first came out with deacon uh deacon uh dudley deacon Devon. The hell. Yeah. deacon mm-hmm. Devon. he was just you're just like oh, oh another body right and i'm not those i'm not one of those guys i'm a fan of good wrestlers and if they're a body great if they're not a body great mm-hmm. right but but you just saw Batista, and, and you know what? It was also a case of this guy's not here because he loves wrestling. He's here because it was his best option, and that's how I felt about Goldberg until obviously the light switch went off. Sting's a guy who didn't grow up watching wrestling, but he ended up loving it after he did it. Those are the guys I like, and I think Batista at some point he probably did end up liking it. it it's probably some, and that's what I was gonna say to you. In two thousand nine, if there was the internet, there's so much talent on here. But someone still would have criticized it in 2009. But to look back 14 years, you're like, wow, that was fucking stacked. And they say it on wrestling nowadays. This is the best roster we've ever had, blah, 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 blah. And if the funny thing is, it might be. You don't, you don't, you don't know. It potentially but we never, the best but roster. We never appreciated it when it right. happened in we front of us. We never appreciate it in the moment. It's always looking back and going, damn, I, I wish I'd appreciate that a little bit more. Like for me, that's the UWF. I was all in. They could do no wrong. And it was a whole fucking year before NWA just sucked the life out of it. But it was awesome. And and, and Batista, this is when he's hitting a stride. And you know what? A lot of these guys, you know, I don't blame them for getting out when they can. If you can make in three months filming a movie double what you make wrestling 300 days out of 365 days a year and you don't love it, you'd be an idiot not to do it. No, I get that. I'm just saying. But when you look at what could have been. In, in oh, terms of the wrestling persona, he had it because it was starting to groom. It started, it was, it was starting to percolate, if you will, reflection act. And Ray Mysterio was the perfect wrestler for Batista to do what he was gonna do and then dr- destroy him, annihilate him. And then again, the get fans would feel, yeah, get him hated 
feel empathy towards Ray Mysterio. But again, the problem that I laughed at was the logistics. This was in Washington, D.C., so Vince McMahon did not get totally what he wanted. That's why probably there might have been a pivot. But again, it is what it is. But Ray Mysterio was the perfect person for it. But T.W., again, you have to look in the mirror. Something's wrong with Ray. If everybody is betraying Ray, then you got to look at the person. Sometimes you got to look at yourself. I tell you what it is. What is it? On paper, it's he's so good that everyone ends up jealous of him because they don't like being in his shadow. But the reality is, okay, he's probably the dude who, when you play video games against him and you're winning, he fucking jumps up and shuts it off and ends the game early. That's what he probably is as a person. There you go. See, there is something wrong with this because, again, Ray Mysterio, you know, if somebody is that pissed at you, Multiple times, multiple people can go in a room, sit along in a circle in a chair and look at Ray Mysterio and say there's something wrong with him. You got to look in the mirror. But that's just my public service announcement for all the reflection I sat there. Look in the mirror if someone's pissed at you, because sometimes something is wrong with you. But with that being said, you know what, TW, like I said, we might not have appreciated the roster that it was. And one of the greatest examples is actually the opening match which was a traditional five-on-five Survivor Series match in, in TW because, again, Survivor Series, you know, it, it's funny because I want to say this first because you m- remember TW, like 87, 88, 89, maybe a little bit of 90? It was all traditional four-on-four or five-on-five matches. And then guess what? Our, our fickle mind said, we got both. It's boring. So the WWE had to pivot and add a heavyweight title match, add an intercontinental title match, add a tag team title match and all that stuff, add some feuds and all this stuff. Then what happens? We get fickle with that, too. It's like, wait a minute. Wasn't it the tradition of being five on five? So now you got to balance it out. So, you know, what's ATW? Because, again, now we're in 2020 thrust. You know how we are reflection. We have to, you know, hybrid the past with the present and the future. But TW... Right now, for the past two years, you know, Survivor Series, it's war games. So it makes absolute sense to have what? What are you listening to? You got to not listen to nothing. I'm listening to you. What? I I guess I'm sounding. There's no noise in here at all. I'm hearing an echo, but anyway, neither here nor there. But what's the ETW? Because again, you know, since '87 to 2020, Thress. You know, you went from traditional five on fives, then you had these matches, and now in 2020 thrust for the last two years, people wanted it to be there. People people were clamoring for it. You got war games at the right pay-per-view at the right time. And I'm sure in about a year or so, people will be saying, What happened to our traditional five on fives? So what's ATW? You can't make everybody happy. I think like I was hopeful that. Saturday night would have had one, you know, like at mm-hmm. least have one every year. You, I, I, I think when you have like, I think it was whenever they dropped it down to four on four, that's mm-hmm. when it started being like, everything's the same. You know how hard it is to make eight four on four matches different because mm-hmm. you, you all of them are going to have somebody fucking getting protected. So you got to have them counted out, disqualified, double count out, whatever. You got to keep doing all that stuff. So I get it where it was just too hard to to have a bunch of five on fives and four on fours. But like I was reading something yesterday. Should war games be moved like to make it its own thing, like Elimination Chamber and then mm-hmm. make Survivor Series what it used to be, the Survivor Series. But like even when they did SmackDown versus Raw, 
that one was cool because you have five guys from Raw versus five guys from SmackDown. The problem with those are you end up with good guys and bad guys on the same team, and then mm-hmm. the crowd doesn't know who to fucking cheer for or who to boo when they're sprinkled in on both. But for me, Survivor Series was number two after the Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble was my favorite. Survivor Series was my second favorite. And the cool thing about it is when they were going like that, people would get pinned clean and it would be quick, right? It wouldn't be like, say, Brett and Sean were in there. It wouldn't take 60 minutes for one of them to get pinned. And Mm -hmm. it might not be by the other one, but they would have got worked over by three or four guys and then pinned. But it was a thing of beauty when it started. And and I if I'm if I'm being honest, I was bummed out that there wasn't at least one on the last one. I'm just I'm just saying people are fickle because again, people will get tired of the war games or it's just war games. Where's the traditional? Oh, there's match people ripping out of saying it was better when it was the old days. Of course it was, because that's why you love it. My favorite war games era is NXT. Those first three war games in NXT, third third one, not so much. That was the old versus new or whatever. But the two with the undisputed era in them, two of my favorite matches ever those two uh, for me when did they always, make it five is what i want to know is that what their nod to the survivor series was just to make it five on five with the guys no well traditionally you know the girls were four on four. traditionally it is five on five because that's right. the way it started in 87 it was always five on five but well, that's because it was the four horsemen and jj dylan yeah who were the five that he fought road wars dusty nikita and magnum paul allering paul allering that's right the manager mm-hmm. Okay. That's where that's where the five on five concept was, and nothing can top nineteen eighty seven. So with that being said, uh, TW again with the I doubt last... I disagree. What? Sting, Luger, Macho, and 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 Hogan were a good foursome. They're not bad. I'm just saying, but the so, best matches, the best war game matches, is still eighty seven, no matter what, because it's the first. So well, I don't know. I like the one where Sid was beating the shit out of Brian Pillman, popping out into the ceiling, and all that. There was well, you're picking, you're, you're picking your spots, but again, again, that's semantics. I but don't again, like Oli, damn it. So I'm not gonna pick anything. Oli wasn't in the war games. Don't worry about it. He was never in the war games oh, matches. And I'll, I'll take it. So is Lex Flair, Arn and Tully? Yeah, I'll take it. Okay. So with that being said, reflection ice. Let's talk about one of the matches because again, you know, with the like this people say like 2009 might have been a stacked roster but one match tw in particular kind of represented what what wwe was trying to do in trying to develop and like you know accelerate certain young prospects if you will i don't remember their ages tw at this time but l or elevate but the first match was team miz of that consisted of Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, the chosen one in 2009, Jack Swagger or Jake Hager, wherever you want to call him, and Sheamus, who was a was a beast in 2009, against Team Morrison. Evan Bourne was there, Fit Finley was there on that team. John Morrison was there. Matt Hardy, I forgot Matt Hardy was there in 2009, and the gold standard walking the same too. <laughs> yeah, that too, that too. And the gold standard, Shelton Benjamin. But TW, in this match alone, you could see not only was it a storyline reflection, because it was Miz against Morrison, because that tag team that had so much promise broke up because, again, it was really, and they got over organically, too. And they got over organically and they did their stuff on YouTube because of, again, the skits that they did on WWE.com uh, and all that stuff. That's what gave them their traction. That's what gave them their rep, if you will. But you know how Vince McMahon is. I got to break him up, pal. I get more money, you know, with them feeding each other. But 
you see the potential in this because these are young stars and they're trying to elevate themselves to the next level. So let's say about this first match here. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'll bet you didn't catch this. I caught it watching it. I'm like, wow. On one side of the ring, you have Morrison, Hardy, Evan Bourne, Shelton, and Fit Finley. On right. the other side, every guy on the other side of the ring went on to become world champion. Every right. single one of them. And everybody on the other side didn't. That's crazy. All of them are still going, except Fit Finley, which I think he trains the women in WWE. So he's still well, he, working. He, he used he used to, and now he's. I think he's just an independent person. Like, oh, that's right. He got accused of some shit. Uh, maybe not. No, he didn't get accused. He, he no, just that got, was Hugh Morris. Hugh Morris got accused. Yeah. Of, I mean, so he just, he just got cut. And then you have one, two, three, four. About to be five, maybe six guys are all in AEW. Morrison, Hardy, Bourne, and Swagger. Soon mm -hmm. to be Dolph, because he's already been there and had a picture taken. Shelton, right. they want. They make no bones about wanting Shelton. And he should go there, because maybe he'll get a shine, right? Because Shelton is underrated, by the way. He's mm -hmm. he's one of my untapped potentials if we ever did that episode of who, who got the shab. And then the most astonishing thing of all, John Cena, whenever people accuse him of being on the gas, says, look at the pictures, man. I look the same then as I do now. I've always looked the same in high school and college and pro. Every except for when you see John Cena right now, he looks like a dad. He's pale as shit. His muscles don't look the same, but he still looks the same size. But With you know who does look the fucking same? Identically the same is the oh. Miz. It's insane. I watched yeah, him on my good. TV after mm -hmm. just watching him on Raw, and I was like, this son of a bitch looks exactly the same. Doesn't mm -hmm. look bloated. Like AJ's got a little bit of that, that dad bod midsection going. He's still in mm -hmm. tip top shape, but you get older, your organs get bigger and shit like that, right? They're tired. But the Miz, who's got to be close to my age, he, he's not late 40s, he's mid, if not more. And mm -hmm. he looks the same. And then my kids, when I showed them Drew, they had no idea who it was, so I showed her, showed them Drew now, and they're like, that's him? And I'm like, yeah. And John Morrison looks the same, too, uh, to give credit where credit's due. He looks mm -hmm. the same, too, but uh, he actually looks probably more ripped now. Like, he looks like he needs a shit. Good nu good nutrition, good yep. medicine, good, uh, good exercise skills. And, well, of course, John Morrison is, what does he do that? that Hardcore. Hardcore or CrossFit Hardcore. or whatever. He, oh, okay. But do you he ever does watch that. Violent Night? Yeah, I've seen it. Did you see where the dude <laughs> hops the couch to run outside and he goes, parkour, as he jumps over the couch and then just gets the machine gun emptied on him. It was hilarious. It, it's very, yeah, that, that's a good movie. That's good. Is that going to be the new Christmas movie tradition? I, I don't know. I watched it with my daughters yesterday. First time I ever seen it. It's hokey as shit and I loved it. There's going to be a second one. But anyway, let's, let's, oh, yeah. Stick to, yeah, there's going to be a Violet Night too. But anyway, let's stick to this match, TW, because again, there is a storyline. It is Miz and Morrison. And the, another thing, Reflectionites, is this was a cross-branded uh, pay-per-view, if you will, because members of teams represented Friday Night SmackDown, uh, Monday Night Raw, and, of course, the developmental brand ECW, or the WWECW, as I like to call it, TW. So I wanted to give the logistics out there. But you can tell 
who are who they had their eye on or who they wanted to elevate even in this match alone because with the winners being the Miz, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, technically when I looked at this match a little bit reflection nights, it was a statement. You know, with those three winning, but of course, like you said TW because they you can't make every match the same, but you're trying to get something out of it. The three that they want to elevate to the main event status or higher mid-card level, you got The Miz, you got McIntyre, you got Sheamus there. On the other end, when it was three-on-one, you knew where they wanted to go and, and have sympathy and empathy towards John Morrison. And they say he's got the potential to be mid-card. He's got potential to be the main event. At this, It was around maybe a year or two prior to this. John Morrison was an ECW heavyweight champion, you know, or the WWE ECW champion. So let's say, because again, you're trying to balance keeping your stalwarts, like we're going to talk about in later matches, but this match alone is for the future of the WWE. This match alone is when Michael Cole did one of multiple times that he did this, and I wanted to reach to my TV and punch him in his fucking face when he announced, mm-hmm. there they are, your sole survivors. Sole survivors is when one guy survives. That's it. Mm. The Ultimate Warrior did it. Tito Santana mm-hmm. did it. These guys were not sole survivors. They were three out of fucking five, which made mm-hmm. the other team look terrible. And I thought for sure Morrison was going to at least roll one or two of them up and then get beat by the Miz for the heat. But, nope, he just got you, beat. Isn't that strange? Because, you know, they could have went the Bam Bam Bigelow route because that's how I would, you know, you can gain attention on somebody like you know, John Morrison almost overcame all the odds by taking two out and the Miz could have been the sole survivor, you know, cheating or whatever the case may be. But they didn't want to go that route. But I think they wanted to make the statement of these are young thoroughbreds that are going to take over the and WWE in the 2010. Well, technically, you had to leave and do, right. and do the indie circuit. And we, again, we're not going with logistics, but that's what they wanted to gain out of that. So, again, you have to balance that out, Reflectionite. So, TW, do you agree with not, – not the way they booked it, but do you agree with that kind of, like, mindset and that mantra that you're trying to, you know, you have to, you know, crop up or prop up the future while keeping your Star Wars and the money, you know, money train going? The only problem is two people end up looking bad when you have three guys survive. The whole other fucking team and the okay. two guys on your team that didn't. Like, why did these three mop these fuckers up, but you two got beat? So it, it, it I get it. You're trying to put the, the shine on not just the three that won, but Morrison as well, because he made it and finally just couldn't overcome the odds. But But you could you couldn't you couldn't take Jack Swagger seriously even with the lisp. And Dolph Ziggler's been there since the Spirit Squad. Dolph so, got you know. just fucking jobbed out, and so did Fit Finley. Fit Finley was already jobbed out when he had that hornswoggle music. So, you know, he was already doomed to fail. <laughs> Let me be honest, Reflection Nights. Again, you know, Fit Finley from the WCW days was a kick-ass person. Fit Finley was Hornswoggle's dad or whatever the case may be. That was just stupid. And he had Hornswoggle music. The singles music. version of the Bushwaggers. Yeah, and that didn't fit the mold of Fit Finley. And that was one of the mistakes that they made with him. But again, that's just nitpicking on my part. So, you know, any closing thoughts before we talk about another match or focus on something? No, it was a good match. Um, Drew was absolutely green as grass. Like, in hindsight, looking back in the time machine, you could see where they wanted. And and here's the thing. He went and did what they told him to do. Go get better. And Mm -hmm. he did. And he came back, and now, you know, whether the chosen one was the, I mean, here's the other thing. 
Let me actually let me let me change the question around for Drew Magatite. And you know, you can keep your answer to what you have seen now and what you see in 2020 threats. Was it the right call from jump to debut him as the chosen one? That's what I was about to say, is whether that was the cross or the, the crutch or the, the curse. But Triple H just said this about LA Knight that I knew him way back when he started out, and for reasons he'll even tell you. He got in his own way. There's there's a good possibility Drew McIntyre sabotaged his own run. Because if they call him the chosen one, it was one of, for one of two reasons. Vince really mm-hmm. was making him that. It would have been a heel. But he really was making him that. Or he was building him up that he, he would ultimately lose to whoever they were making. Whether it be Cena or John Morrison or whatever. But he still would at least got built up to be the big loss and put over whoever would have won. So for him to just get flat out released, I remember people being surprised. And I want to say, didn't him and Jinder both get released and they kept Heath? And then Jinder came back? Uh, unless Jinder got uh, suspended for his like steroids or something, you know, with the Yeah, but they stuff. both got released at one point because Jinder ended up wrestling somewhere else. I don't remember where it was. And then he came back. And he won the world I, title. I don't recall. I thought I think Jinder's been there from jumping, unless he got suspended for, like I said, the you know for thirty days. Remember, remember when Drew, they were the three man only, only Drew was only Drew was fired. Everybody else, you know, split and did their own thing. The other two split mm-hmm. and did their own thing until he got being cut. Surprised that Heath was the one that was still there. Yeah, uh, until he got cut in twenty twenty. So you know, it is semantics, but it is what it is. So you know, TW, I want to focus. Not on the next uh, five-on-five match because that there is more of a story within itself. But uh, I want to focus on one of the uh, heavyweight title matches because the theme is the same, Reflectionites, and it's it's funny, TW, because this is mul- this is two triple threat matches, but the concept is the same because there's two friends going after the heavyweight title. And the first one is the World Heavyweight Championship match where The Undertaker is defending the SmackDown Heavyweight title against the World Tag Team Champions, Jericho, Big Show and Chris Jericho. And like you say, T.W., you know, Chris Jericho and Big Show are in AEW. Undertaker's retired and he's a first and he's the first ballot Hall of Famer that he rightly deserves and all that stuff. It's just the and it kind of keeps the theme again. It's like two friends going into this. I'm not saying that you they have never done this before, but you do it. You have the same kind of formula or the same kind of booking for two matches in one night. I never thought I never saw that. And I and looking at this in 2009, like, wait a minute, you actually booked the same concept twice in one night. I never thought they would do that. I, I'm not saying that it's not, you know, it's not foreseeable that you, you saw like two friends, you know, stabbing each other in the back. It's not I, just friends. Because I can see two friends like Cody, Seth, and Drew being in a three-way. Like, we're buddies, but we're enemies. Or mm-hmm. Sheamus, uh, Drew, and Gunther were Walter, whatever the fuck his name is, Gunther. I'm looking right at him. That, that one I get, because we're all competitors. We all want. It was the fact that the champion fought a tag team. It wasn't just mm-hmm. friends. They were the world tag team champions, and the other ones are DX. So mm-hmm. that's what my question was to you, was like, what the fuck was this a pointed thing? Like we're going to make you defend against the tag team and you against the tag team, but either member of that tag team can win. Yeah. And they did two completely different matches. The second of which was fucking golden. Mm -hmm. But let's just focus on undertaker and Jericho 
and I guess TW, if you want to, uh, you know, talk about the 2020 thrust, it's like, you know, and, and, and I'm talking about the big show because again, you know, God bless him. He loves the business. There's no, no one can argue that he has the passion for the business, but the mind is strong, but the body's not there anymore. And right. I think Big Show is, is stubborn and is too stubborn to not look in the mirror and say, you know what, I need to contribute in a different way. Again, every every person, every every athlete, you know, always has to look themselves in the mirror, TW. And and again, can they fight that reality? Of course. We all have egos. We all know this. But somebody's got to tell Big Show, Paul White, you know, you can't do it anymore. And in twenty and in two thousand nine, TW, I'm not saying that people were. He didn't tell him. He didn't tell him. <laughs> again, I'm I'm just saying. But in two thousand nine, just like you say, where the 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 advent of social media was not prevalent just yet, it was in its infancy. But people were already starting to get bored with the big show. People were already starting to like, yo, this is just too much. We're, we're tired of him. We're bored with him. And I'm like, God damn, we can't even. You know, it's the same thing. We appreciate somebody when they're when they're gone you you can say big show contributed so much in the wrestling business and i looked at this match like you know what big show seven foot 500 pounds you know in wcw he was one of the most agile seven footers in history Drop and, then, and we're not a and, and then you know the the disease the giant giantism whatever it's called it caught up with his bones and stuff like that. So you saw he changed, he adapted to his style to become more methodical, more monstrous and all that stuff, and still contributed in the 2000s and even later than that. But now in 2020 Thrush, you can see he can't walk really straight. You know, he, he had hip replacement and all this stuff. He looks like so that he, congressman. Which one? Oh, Fetterman? Fetterman, yes. <laughs> <laughs> vote for Big Show. Did you guys see, vote for him? Is that your neighborhood? That's that's Pennsylvania. That's not my neighborhood. Oh. So, you know, well, I don't care. Yeah, vote for Fetterman. Did you see you know? what he did last week? What did he do? Oh, he popped me. I'm sure I'm going to make some people mad when I tell you what he did to pop me. What did he they do? They were arresting some Palestinian protesters in front of the court building or whatever the fuck they work out of. And he comes walking up with a police escort to go in the building or into his car mm -hmm. with a Israeli flag, just waving it like the Mountie. And a dude getting arrested turned to look and goes, you're a terrible human being for that. You're you're horrible. You're awful. You're terrible. And I thought, holy shit, liberal on liberal crime going down right here. And he just smiled and kept walking. And I was like, ouch. Hey, man, you know, pick, pick, pick a side, I guess, you know. Like I said, the professor. I would think is, the name Fetterman would imply that he's from Israel or at least heritage. Absolutely. So again, vote for Fetterman, 2025 for president. <laughs> or I don't know, or or 2028 for president. I want to see him study like this, but hey, neither here nor there. But let's say TW again, appreciate the big show because again, it was again, a sudden drop too, off. Like it's twofold. You know, you understand where I'm coming from with this. Two things I think he should have done. One, Andre never let people do to him what they do to Big Show, right? One, when you think of Big Show, if, if one of your first thoughts isn't automatically in the first few thoughts of him, him and Edge getting an F5 together, or not F5, but FU, the mm -hmm. attitude adjustment. Because it's impressive as fuck, and he has everything to do with the success of it with Edge and 
Cena. No way in hell. Bundy's letting anybody do that. Nobody doing it. John Starr. John Starr got body slammed by Haku and fucking Andre and Bill Perry or William Perry. Um, okay. So he shouldn't have let everybody do all that to him. But he was in such a hurry to prove he, he's almost the elite before the elite and trying to pop fans. Right. And that's why he's doing all this stuff. Right. So everyone thinks he thinks he's going to win wrestler of the year and he shouldn't. Have. He, he's an attraction. He should have just. You're, you're saying that nobody, nobody should slam him or do some high impact moves. Or it should have been Brock Lesnar and John Cena and that's it. Or, you know, Batista. Well, keep, it keep, it small. keep it small. Keep right. it a small number of people. Because one of the other things in this match that caught my eye, because Jericho is fast becoming the new replacement for CM Punk and Cody Rhodes for being an asshole who bites hands and feed him. This guy, anytime he opens his mouth, has something shitty to say about, can you believe me and Daniel Bryan took 20 years of us to finally have our first pay-per-view match? Then fucking say something 20 years ago, asshole. You never brought it up, but he's wrestling Undertaker, like Undertaker's Bret Hart, and he's Shawn Michaels. And there was a time when no one wrestled The Undertaker that way. The Undertaker just whooped your ass, and if you beat him, it was because someone hit him with the fucking urn, and then you fell on top of him, right? He's mm-hmm. doing fucking step over toe holes. He's doing shit off the ropes. He's doing all that. Big Show can't do those things anymore, right? The other thing he should have done, besides not letting everybody have liberties with him, he should have got hair transplants because the and I'm look, Wait, Undertaker or Jericho? No, Big Show. Oh, <laughs> I'm back to Big Show. Oh, okay. He should have got hair transplants because the the difference of him, like. He didn't just, his body didn't just change. He also fucking shaved his head and went bald, right? Mm-hmm. If he still would have had that hair, he would have just, he would have looked the same guy, but bigger. He would look more menacing, right? But it was almost like, trust me, I got hair in it, and then I didn't, and I wish I did. But he almost, and this is, again, and we're all guilty of this. No, no, If you fucking say you haven't done this in your life, you're lying. When we look at somebody who looks different and we get uncomfortable, that mm-hmm. makes sense to you when i was a kid uh, i'll cry saying this because it's still something i feel terrible about and i was nine i didn't know any better someone brought a handicapped person to the place i was eating with my mom and this kid is fucking getting spaghetti sauce everywhere throwing food and i'm sitting there getting grossed out by it and i'm i know what you're thinking where the hell are you going with this and and i yes, just remember I getting mad i remember getting mad because this awkward kid who by the way would trade places with me in a heartbeat and not have to do the stuff that that he's doing um but uh hold on a second my kid's trying to call and i've never not answered her phone call but anyway big show got to where he was awkward to look at like you looked at him and thought something's not right like you know what i mean and you you nailed it i don't know if it's called dwarfism with him that's what andre the giant had and there's a longer medical term for it Mm-hmm. But he just, it was awkward to watch him. It was awkward, you know, not nearly as bad as it was in that match he just had in ECW or AEW. But I think people just want him to go away because they made him uncomfortable. Like, get out of here, get out of here. But the other thing is, when he would go away for periods of time and come back, people did appreciate it, I would think. Like, he got a reaction. If, if, you're, there every, if, you're, th- if you're there every week, you're tired of it. If you're there right. sporadically... Just like Roman right. Reigns is doing, just like Brock Lesnar does, like just Edge like CM, doing. just like CM Punk will do, and Edge will do. They feel bigger, and it feel it feels more, you know, the attraction. It's an is event. It, it is an event. And with this Undertaker one, Big Show took the uh, 
he tapped out with the Hell's Gate, you know, all that stuff. So I'm just giving the logistics and all that. So let's focus on another match, TW. Again, another traditional five-on-five. And there was a story here. And there's a motivation to try to elevate, again, somebody, you know, to another level. And we have Team Orton. And this team is funny because it's funny on one level because in 2023, Everybody's connected in some way, shape, or form, good, bad, or indifferent. Team Orton is Randy Orton, Cody Rhodes, Ted DiBiase Jr., William Regal, and CM Punk TW. It is funny with all this shit, especially the, the, the dirt sheets of CM Punk against William Regal. And then you see CM Punk and Randy Orton's history. CM Punk and Cody Rhodes, AEW history and all that and Ted DiBiase milking, the, you know, the pension system and, and stealing money and all this stuff. It's just a funny ass team. And now on the other side, and they kind of made light of it because, you know, one guy doesn't fit with a lot of black guys. You know, he brought the raisins, you know, he brought potato salad with raisins. You got Kofi Kingston as the captain, Mark Henry, MVP, R-Truth, and of course the ECW champion, Christian TW. And it's an eclectic bunch. But it's just funny on the Team Orton side, everybody is connected. And right now, Vince, if you're, I know you're a reflection night. Just give this, just give this note to Triple H. There's a backstory because from 2009, you already have a connection with all these guys in one shape or another. So, TW, do you have notes on this five on five, or did I kind of spoil your? I, notes? I did make one error in my notes because I put all of Team Orton except him, and two of Kofi's went to AEW, but Ted DiBiase Jr. didn't go to AEW. He no, might be going to prison, yeah. but um, he didn't go there. And then uh, three of these guys made their return to the WWE this year. <laughs> so, well, mm -hmm. the Orton, Punk, and Truth, and then also Cody last year. So, and then all but two of them are still wrestling. Regal and DiBiase are the only two not wrestling. That's that's it. Mm -hmm. Well, and then I'll say this, TW, because again, but that I promo, that promo was gold because they teased that he was saying i look different than or i'm different than all you and they thought he was saying because he's white mm -hmm. and he said i was waiting for canadian the whole time mm -hmm. which he ended up doing second the first time he said i'm the only ecw guy and then when he ended up jumping on their back and saying we got i got rap and he did four of us are black and one of us are white it was like the ultimate payoff from the teasing that that's what he was trying to say all along but it was mm -hmm. a good interview Better promo yeah. than the middle. Well, of course, you already know how Vince McMahon's, you know, has this kind of eccentric sense of humor, and he tries to blur, you know, the realities there. So, you know, people can find a ha ha humor to it. So, again, it's fun. It was funny. It was a funny promo. I have no, no, no doubt about that. But the focus about this match was all about one person, and to elevate him to a superstar status. Technically. It worked until 20. It didn't work until 2019 because then that's where he got his shot. But they wanted in 2009 TW to elevate Kofi, Kofi Kingston. First, you know, he came from the ECW ranks and then, you know, his gimmick was he was the Jamaican guy with a, with a bad accent. Then he dropped the accent because, again, Triple H kind of outed him on that shit. But this feud between Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton percolated into this five-on-five -five match. And again, you had Legacy with Randy Orton and Teddy Biasi Jr. and Cody. You had the straight edge, you know, CM Punk. He had his issues with R-Truth and all that stuff. 
William Regal was just there as to me as an afterthought. It didn't really matter with them. Vince, but, he was the fifth of that team. Yeah, but the focus was technically Orton and Kofi Kingston, and it was Orton's job to elevate him to the next level. In hindsight, did it work, Reflectionites? The answer is no, because it didn't take until 2019 for Kofi Kingston, and that was because of an injury to Mustafa Ali, Reflectionites, that he became the heavyweight champion and Kofi Mania was born. So technically, TW, it took 10 years to get the payoff from what they were trying to do in 2009. So, you know, and for Cody. Well, Cody had to leave again. Right. He had to do what he had saying. to do. It took even longer for him to get the elevation. But then when you look at this match, again, the problem that WWE and Vince McMahon had was trying to hybrid your stalwarts and trying to elevate your young guys. Vince McMahon was trying to elevate Kofi Kingston, and it was Randy Orton's job. So technically, Randy Orton didn't do the job, or am I looking at it from a different way? I'm just looking from a fan's perspective. Well, you know what? It's hard to... It's hard. I mean, you you got a way better memory for me for it than me, and I was not wrestling anymore. About to come back a year later, but mm-hmm. actually, no. This is right around the time I was about to come back. I came back in 2010, I think. I don't know. Anyway, I um, I know you for a long time, but I don't know you in 2009, so I wouldn't know what you're doing there. My no, memory's no, on. I'm saying I don't really know the storyline behind why the teams are what they are, right? Like, because mm-hmm. there's. There's ECW guys on both sides, and Christians with the other dudes, and then they're the good guys. That was funny too, seeing Christian as a good guy, because and he's funny. He, this, this is Elroy era. Who, who called him Elroy? I can't remember who it was. Was it our truth? I think it was Orton, but that was in 2012 because then he turned into heel into heel Christian. Uh, well, I was going to say Christian Cage, but you know, before he left to go to Impact, right? No, this is after he came back from his first stint in Impact. Oh, okay. He did two stints in Impact? 2006 to 2008, that was his first stint. And then technically in 2020, he had a second oh, stint yeah. with, with all that. The Omega shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it's hard to know the context. Like, I'm looking at it, and I don't know. Like, I wouldn't have thought Regal was shit, because in 2023, I don't think a Regal is shit, right? No, he's a good hand. That's what right. it is. No matter right, what, he's I'm still saying, a good hand. He's, he's a body. He's a guy in there to take a pin, right? I don't even remember who won this match. Well, the, they built, like I said, it was supposed to be Kofi's uh, coming out party. It was supposed to be Kofi yeah, to Kofi the next won. level. Kofi, Kofi was the sole survivor, so it was yeah. truthful. And yeah. he pinned two former heavyweight champions in a span of 10 seconds, Reflection Nights. So that's what I was just saying. It didn't work if, if Kofi Kingston, because all he did after tw- 20, you know, after 2009 and beyond was Intercontinental Champion, Tag Team Champion, uh, U.S. Champion. You know, and he was just kind of stuck in that bubble. So, you know, Kofi Kingston technically. This is before he got hurt, though, right? Because remember, he tore his pec. Him tearing his pec? Yeah, I, dude. You, it's so obvious when you see him now. He's got like no chest on one side. And no, he's, he's always he's always had that. He said that that's not it. That wasn't an injury. That's just the way he, his body is. But he tore his pec. I'm absolutely certain of it. His, his injuries, I've, his 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 injuries are his lower extremities from his history. It's usually that his ankles and stuff like that. His pec was, it was he was okay on that end. But TW, let's say again, it just he just stayed in that bubble. But he should have done. When did New Day form? New Day formed in, I want to say, late 2014, early 2015. 
Yeah, so he definitely had plenty of time before that because I think that's what's held him back. Obviously, he had the world title, but that's what held him back. And wasn't it Daniel Bryan that was hurt that he filled in for? No, no, it was he was fighting Daniel Bryan for the title in 2019, oh, but it was Mustafa right. Ali. And they wanted to they wanted to play the uh, let's just say, you know, Saudi the Saudi yeah, card. Yeah, the Saudi card for Mustafa Ali, but it didn't work. But Kofi Mania was born in that. But again. In 20, 2009, you booked Kofi Kingston to pin two former heavyweight champions in the span of 10 seconds. That should have at least got him a shot at John Cena. That's your horse. That should at least got him a shot at The Undertaker for the heavyweight title or a program. He not he got neither of that, TW. So is it racism? They're all baby faces, is it, though. Is it placism or what, what say you, TW? Because, again, you want him to get to the next level, but then he's pigeonholed into the Intercontinental. He's pigeonholed into the U.S. title, or he's pigeonholed but into I'll, the I'll, I'll bring you to the modern-day situation. There's so, so many guys on the card that you think should be champ at some point, but when you're on year three of one guy having that belt, it just doesn't happen. And back then, Kofi versus Cena and Kofi versus Undertaker, it, it's not going to happen. It's baby versus baby, and he's losing if it does happen. So you're almost wasting it. Mm -hmm. You know, look what happened... When he fought Daniel Bryan, that's probably why I was thinking he filled in for Bryan. The crowd was turning on Daniel Bryan because they wanted him, but because of the long wait. it was. I don't know that they'd have turned on Cena for him, even though they were kind of turning on him versus DX. But it, it's it's just it's hard. Like The other day I watched the match, uh, Street Profits versus Priest and Finley. The crowd just fucking doesn't care because they're all heels. It's Not it's, Finley, Finn Balor. Finn Balor. Yeah, how you get Philly? Same country. See, it's, the, it's, it's the music. It's the music. See, it's the same country. Damn it. So um, what? They don't all look alike. Yeah, he. No, I'm saying fit Finley, Finn Finley. So, but uh, fit, what the fuck's his name? Finn Finn Balor. Finn Balor. But that you people don't want that. They want to cheer somebody and boo somebody. They don't want to boo somebody that they normally or cheer somebody they normally boo. And when good guy, look at Hogan versus Warrior. The fucking building was split on those two. That you was know? beautiful. That, but that was beautiful. Right. But when the aftermath is, the people that were cheering for Hogan now want nothing to do with the fucking warrior because they beat his hero. Or he beat are their you, hero. Are you sure about that? I didn't. That didn't bother me. The, the, the better man won. Because you were cheering for the warrior, motherfucker, just like me. You know what? I was a Hulkamaniac. So was I. I. I, so didn't, I, didn't lose, I didn't I didn't get tired yet of Hulkamania. That was, that was like in 92. When I got funny, to I was talking to my buddy on the way to the Wings game yesterday, and I was like, "Wow, it, it just dawned on me." Because we were, I was asking him if he saw Cody or Sam Punk, and it's funny because that's always been the thing that turns me off to people is when they bite the hand. Like I don't hate Ryback because he's just a clown, right? Like he can be mm -hmm. biting hands all he wants, but we he wasn't. In, he wasn't in the Survivor Series reflection. As I'm just this. But is he just said he'd retire if CM Punk came back, and he did. But anyways, mm -hmm. but but he's different, right? Like he. He might be special needs, right? So I don't – but Punk and Cody, they just – it was just over the top. Like, the, the the hatred was not deserving. Like, name something CM Punk didn't do in WWE. Uh, the, I get it, the staff infection. But, like, the thing saying he got fired on his wedding day, he fucking walked out first. <laughs> He's not getting fired on his wedding day if he doesn't walk out. And I guarantee you nobody was like, hey, man, let's wait until his wedding day and then fire him. Like, he thought he was getting paid ever again, right? So, anyway, I digress. But the mm -hmm. one guy I never got mad at was the Warrior. 
I was on his side the whole fucking time. Every time, I never I fucking hated wrestlers that talk shit about him. To this day, I'll see somebody talking shit about him now, and I'm like, fuck you, buddy. And he's dead, and you're going to fucking still kick him when he's down? Fuck you. But this guy, uh, who are we talking about that made me go back here? We're talking about Kofi. No. We're, this, I don't know this, what the fuck has set me on the this, fucking bite the hand. This is what I love about TW, because when you digress, oh, you digress. The, guy, the shit, the bad guy's getting booed, the good guy's getting cheered. You mm -hmm. can't do both. And so when you have, when you, when you have to pick, I, that's what it was. The warrior, when I said one guy got cheered, one guy got booed, and they were both good guys, it led mm -hmm. me down that angry. I'm saying that's how much I like the warrior. That he mm -hmm. bit the hand that fed first. And I never fucking hated him. But the other two guys that did it since. And I'm sure there's other guys that do it. I just don't know. But, but you got to understand, TW, even for Kofi Kingston, you have to have him face John Cena. At least to see if he is main event material. You have to have him face The Undertaker to see if he is main event but material. But why, or, why them? Why can't they lose the belt to somebody and then Kofi fights that guy? Because you're I'm running the risk of people turning on him for fighting another guy they like. We're in 2009. It doesn't. I don't think. I think for the the parameter of a wrestling fan, especially in 2009, and, and it kind of grows right now. I don't think you even care about good against good or bad against bad. I'm it's telling you change. right now that Finn not, Balor Priestley versus Street Private match. That crowd didn't give a fuck. They were they just mad. Get, if they were mad that fucking Judgment Day won again, is what they were yeah. mad about. Yeah, they wouldn't have cared if Street Private Street Profits won. Are you like, sure? That's a team I don't understand why they turn bad. People love Montez Ford. Love them. Why do they turn them bad? Well, you know, they, they're holding off on the uh, the breakup, you know, eventual breakup. And, and hopefully that's what it is because they're going to turn them good guy after the breakup, not he be the bad guy. But we'll you're, not, you're not making D'Lo Jr. the fucking good guy. But the whole point is Kofi Kingston, you wanted Kofi Kingston in this spot. That's right. where we're going to go. Let's I get just stay on this. I get it. And it doesn't matter that John Cena is the champion at this time. It doesn't matter. You've got to at least give him a chance to get in that level. And even if you, okay, all right, then Undertaker loses to Jericho. He should have lost them to Jericho. Then Kobe would have fought Jericho. But then that's, is that your level? That's your test level? If he can't uh, hang with Jericho? Or if uh, Triple H beat uh, John Cena? Let's just use that, the, the hindsight. If Triple H beat John Cena at this, at this Survivor Series junction, Kofi Kings against Triple H. That's still two good guys. I'll, or I will say this. If if Triple H is the champion, Kofi's losing. If Jericho's the champion, Kofi might win. That's right. what I'm saying. If you put him in with Cena, if you put him in with Taker, everyone and their brother will know that he's losing before the bell even rings. So you need the right person at the main event level. You need the believability that he might walk out of their champion, and no one's walking in thinking that. When he's so then the only the Cena. only person that would be heavyweight Jericho. champion material, no, would have been Orton. He had to be the champion. So this way you because then you Even already better, have a storyline in continuing the feud. Right. So that would be the only way reflection that that it would work. But it took ten years later for Kofi Mania to work. So again, to be the face. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> Well, no, Daniel Bryan was a heel. Oh, that's right. That's he right. was the he was the eco champion. But again, neither here nor there. But the weed belt. Is, is it racism, TW? Is it placism? What? It, what? You have to. We have it's not to. Not fucking racism. If it was racism. He wouldn't work there in the first fucking place. 
doesn't matter about working there. You could work there. There's, there's fucking 70 Do you understand that racism is, is bred from hate? And if you hate someone, you're not giving them money and making them live a great life if you fucking hate them. You, you ever heard the word sociopath? It just works that way. Yeah. His name's yeah. Tony Khan. Fucking. And Vince McMahon. Right is, now, is, that guy is going, why the fuck did I fire? I played right into their hands. The fuck is wrong see, with me? But, so I listen to that fucking young buck fucking Kenny Omega bullshit. There's good sociopaths. There's bad sociopaths. Vince McMahon is a good soci sociopath. So, again. He, he loves can, black pussy. What are you talking about? Stop but he it. Doesn't, yes. She's on the card. We're going to talk about her next. Well, okay. Then, then we're going to sprinkle in because we had a bathroom match in the Survivor Series. Because, again, this is a great example, to, uh, Reflection Nights, that, you know, Again, women's wrestling, there was a spark in impact wrestling because that's where it started. You know, I'm not saying that's where it started, but there was a spark there. And then this evolution thing didn't happen until NXT became a thing. And in 2014, 2015, then the four horse women started to come into play. But it in 2009, yes. But in 2009, Reflection Nights. We had a women's five-on-five -five match that a lot of men went to the bathroom with. They might have had puppies, as Jerry the King Lawler would have said. Oh, before that, TW, I just want to say this before we even talk about the, the last two matches. The commentary team, Michael Cole, Jerry the King Lawler, and Matt Stryker. And I just want to say one thing, Reflection Nights, and I felt sorry for Matt Stryker because he was stuck in a bubble. And people might not realize this because, you know, oh, well, Professor Matt Stryker is a very good uh, commentator, all that stuff. Well, yes, he's a good commentator for MLW. He's a good commentator for New Japan. He was a good commentator for Lucha Underground Reflectionites. But let me school you on something because, again, you're not looking at it from a business angle. And TW will understand this. Matt Stryker's wrestling career was so small and minute that he couldn't go into the role of the commentary that he needed to be. He couldn't go into the role of Jerry the King Lawler because he didn't have a resume that made him to be a heel commentator that people would actually you know, resonate. It's not like the Corey Grace thing where you felt sorry for somebody who suffered from multiple concussions and you, you know, he got his he got a chance to do the commentary gig in NXT where there was no pressure. He couldn't be the play-by-play -play guy because guess who was the voice of WWE who is still the voice still. now? Michael Cole. So Matt Stryker was stuck in the, let's just say TW, in the WCW Monday Nitro role of Mike Tanay, where you had to be an analyst, get your points in, but you had to stay neutral. You could see he was he needed he wanted to be what Jerry the King Lawler was, but also he had the acumen, because he is a former teacher, that he could lead and be a play-by-play -play guy. So what say you about the commentary team? Because you understand where I'm going with with the match striker. He was stuck. You, you nailed he it had to he had to leave WWE was, to to gain oh, traction yeah. like that. I, I I never thought of it, but that's perfect scenario. You you did it because that was the thing. Like Josh Matthews, he went to become a backstage interviewer, and it looked weird at first, but then mm -hmm. he just grew into it, and then he became a commentator. But they were more like Michael Cole. They weren't the color. They were mm -hmm. the commentator. Which is weird because, like you said, they're going from being a wrestler to being a commentator. And 99% of the time, a wrestler commentating is the one throwing in opinions, not calling the match. Mm -hmm. Jerry Lawler, Bobby Heenan, um, 
Macho Man, Mr. Perfect, all these guys, they were there for their perspective. Like when you say to me, what what were you thinking when you were in there? Blah, 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 that kind of thing. But he mm-hmm. always, the whole time, he comes across as he's trying to be Michael Cole, not Jerry Lawler. Right. But Michael Cole favors baby faces, sometimes heels these days, and Corey Graves favors the heels. Or Corey Graves will throw a curveball in there like if somebody's his friend and it's well-known, then he'll put a baby face over too. But, but, but like I said, Matt Stryker was stuck in the bubble because yeah, he didn't he, have the resume he, to be the bad like guy. He never wrestled at all is what he came across as. Right. Like if you so, didn't know him, you would mm-hmm. think he was always a Lance Russell, Bob Costas, you know, Bob Costas, Bob Cottle, my favorite. Mm-hmm. Or he, he came across like that. You're right. And I never thought about it until you just said it. Like, yeah. he, did, he didn't come across. But when he did take the occasional dig at somebody, it felt out of place. Like, mm-hmm. like how the fuck are you, like, seriously, like, college professor for most of it, and then all of a sudden you throw a snipe in there. It just didn't work. But, yeah, yeah I didn't just, know he did MLW. I, I, I have to check it out. I don't know how yeah, the fuck he, he, watch he, he does. He, he, he does ML, MLW Fusion. Just type that in, and you can see it on, uh, on, the, on the YouTubes. But... Let's talk about this bathroom break match for a quick second because it showed you where WWE was in the annals of women's wrestling, even in 2009, that nobody cared. And and you had nice women wrestlers here, TW. You had Eve Torres, Team Mickey, or Team Mickey James, Eve Torres, Gail Kim, who, you know, who hated, uh, like you always say, TW, bite the hands that beat you. She came back to be fed more. But anyway, neither here nor there. Kelly and Kelly. Went again. Melina and Mickey James against Team Michelle, Undertaker's wife, Michelle McCool, Alicia Fox, Beth Phoenix, Jillian Hall, and Layla, or Lay Cool as that tag team was. So, TW, you could see where where the priority of women's wrestling was. It wasn't that big of a deal. It it you know it was a filler mostly. This was a filler match. It you know it calmed the people down to go to the bathroom or to get popcorn or to get beer. But again, not disrespecting these ladies because they tried their best. They tried to get the fans into this. But again, you can only do so much. That's why people went to Impact Wrestling to be respected. That's why people go into the Indies and go to Japan for the women wrestlers. And again, it didn't take it. It took a long time for WWE to get, you know, progressive enough to at least give women a platform again. So what's ATW? Well, I'm on the fence here because... As long as I've been wrestling or watching wrestling, there have been women. Obviously, mm-hmm. some more than others. Some, like, obviously now is a boom. But mm-hmm. I will say this about anybody with sour grapes, Gil Kim included, and she's BCW fellow alumni like myself. If you don't get over, what the fuck are they supposed to do? If people don't like you, people don't like you. That's the bottom line. And so I would say, I would argue because I couldn't tell you the first year they had a five-on-five women's match. The fact that they have a five-on-five women's match in 2009 means they 80, have 87. 87 was the first five-on-five. Right, but after that, when, when when the fuck was the next one? And and that one was probably fucking four girls on each team you don't know. Wendy Richter and four fucking nobodies. I know the Jumping Bomb Angels and the Glamour Gals, whatever, but they, they, it, they didn't have enough women to do it every other time, right? So I'm pretty sure Layla was good. I think people like Layla, but she did more of a like a valet type shit. She was with or remember Nidia? She was with mm-hmm. Jamie Noble. They did shit like that. And then they also wrestle Tori Wilson, lover. 
she's not a good wrestler. When they bring her back to the Royal Rumbles, I'm like, still not a good wrestler. Trish was good. But I would say the fact that there's five women taking on five women at a Survivor Series, which is one of the big four. They even said it. It's the second longest reigning WWE pay-per-view next to WrestleMania. They said it on this one. Um, it is. They gave them a chance. But if nobody, it's like the WNBA, man, you work for the NBA. You know as well as I do, the only reason it's still around is because the NWA's eating that fucking loss. Because nobody fucking goes. It's not, you can't blame, are you going to blame the NBA? No, they're trying the fucking hardest to get people to watch the WNBA. But people yeah. just don't. They don't do it. So at what point, how are you blaming the company that's giving you the chance to do it? If other people are the reason they can't, I mean, at some point you got to pull the plug, man. You got to do it if shit's not working out. Drew McIntyre is an example. Whatever reason wasn't working out, they let him go. He came back. It's working out in space now, right? He's one of their top guys. But the other thing I would say is, um, um, who was fucking training these girls at this point? Because a lot of these girls got in there, and they te didn't te even, technically they said Fifth Finley was the trainer. Remember? He was yeah, the training it, a winner. It was not good wrestling. It wasn't good wrestling, but I, I would argue that they were given every chance to succeed, and they just didn't. And then when the NXT shit came along, when there were women that came along could go. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it never happened. Where wait, wait, wait. wait. Got I, 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 I got to push back. To be fair, okay. Hale. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Look, at, look at 2009 in, in this context. I get it. It's priorities, too. But re remember where these were a certain crop of wrestlers and both male and female. Remember, they came from FCW. They came from ECW developmental. But also, let's not forget, they still have a, a deal with OVW, Ohio Valley Wrestling. The, Mickey James came from OVW. Beth Phoenix came from OVW. I think Candice Michelle and Melina came I from OVW. Beth Phoenix was Monster Factory with Larry, Larry Sharp. Okay, it, it, whatever. But let's just say, but there's a crop of places where there was a development of talent on the male and female side, OVW, Monster Factory. And they Factory, took them. And they, they took them. But again, if it's a priority and this is a bathroom break match before the main event, you're not going to – it doesn't matter what these girls can do. And and you have some good girls. I mean, Gail came to wrestle. Are you blaming like the you placement said. of the match? Sometimes you have to. No, you're, so you're blaming the placement of the match. That's why it's a bathroom break match? It is. It's a bathroom break match because no matter when these fucking girls came out, People are going to the bathroom, and I'll tell you. I think that no matter if it started the match or it's one before the main event, it's a bathroom break match because of the priority that Vince McMahon did. Because unless you're not in lingerie, unless you're not fighting and pudding, the men did not care. It That's was 2009. Fair. But but it's the audience not caring. It's not that they didn't get the chance. Because I'm gonna tell you right here, right now, when I was at SummerSlam, Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler, people went to the bathroom, myself included. It didn't matter. They were like, oh, this. all right, I'm out. They, they were going no matter when that match was. It doesn't matter if it was first, third, or eighth. They were leaving. That that was their chance to go beat a line is why. That's last night at the Wings game. I had a piss bad, but you don't go during the fucking game. But if you wait till the intermission, guess what? I went and got food in between the second and first period. I didn't get back to my seat until seven and a half minutes in the second period already gone. It was almost half over. And I was like, well, I won't do that again. So next time I'm going to get up a little before and hope nobody scores in the last minute because at least I'll be beating lines. But these guys, it, it doesn't matter. And again, have you ever, if you're being honest with yourself, at mm -hmm. any point in your life, 
Has a woman wrestler ever been your absolute favorite wrestler? In my history? Yeah. Favorite. Like, above RVD, above everybody, she was your favorite wrestler. I've had favorite women wrestlers, but a woman wrestler has never been my favorite. It's always been Brett, Warrior, Sean, or modern-day L.A. Knight, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, Cody. I can... I separated that in in the yeah, in the yeah. in the two thousands. Awesome Kong, yeah, was was a good one. Gail Kim on the Impact side was a good one, and then we can fast forward to the Four Horsewomen, where I was at the NXT right. Takeover with Sasha Banks and Bailey. I'm asking you if your mom takes you to the show and you can get one fucking piece of merch. Are you getting a piece of merch of any woman in the history of fucking wrestling? If you also can get a fucking RVD t-shirt or poster or... Well, I'm going to choose RVD over... over That's my point. So the only people that are going to say that a woman is their favorite wrestler are one or two people. A girl, and that's someone they're looking up to, and God bless them, I have no problem with that. Mm -hmm. Or a creepy motherfucking dude. That's who's going to do it. Right? And because you, you... We watch wrestling... We watch hockey, we watch basketball, we watch football, we watch baseball, we watch all these things wishing it was us out there. We're not going to relate to a woman and say, that should be me there, right? Unless it's not mm-hmm. a role. But we're not going to do that, right? And so I have, uh, Trish Stratus to me still is the greatest female wrestler of all time in every aspect, right? She, not so much her last run, because I, you know, I don't even know what the fuck brought her back. And then she's gone just like that again, so I don't get it. But, in her peak, it's Trish Stratus. It's not even close. And modern day, it's Rhea Ripley for me. I've liked her since she actually looked like she was a girl from Australia in the May Young Classic. And I like it took me some growing on me for her current look, but mm-hmm. I absolutely love her. I love I love her confidence. I love her wrestling set. I love her promos. I love everything about her. But she's never going to be my favorite wrestler over LA Knight or over. And I don't mean that because she's a girl. I just mean. For whatever you got reason. a prefer- you got you got your choice. You're subjective. It's just it's it's again. I'm probably looking at it through. Man, I should have done that. I could have done that. And and that's the thing. I'm looking at it like which one could be me. And that's what I mean by that. I think I told you before. Joe Rogan said it on commentary. When we watch a boxing fight or a USC fight between two people, no matter who you are, black, white, green, purple, orange. If you don't know both people, you're cheering for the one that looks most like you. That's that's what he says. Human nature. And that's what I mean. I don't look at Rhea and think, man, I wish I could have done. I look at her and I just enjoy her work. Right. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I'm just saying for, for the context of this 2009 match with these five, this five on five women, nobody cared because Vince McMahon made you not care because it didn't matter unless they were in lingerie, unless they're fighting in pudding, unless that? it's unless it's a gimmick. Where they're they're sexualizing it. That's why a lot of wrestling but it's fans. It's the chicken and the egg, though. No, no, I'm just saying. But it's are, a lot of. That's why wrestling it fans. It was shown to them, or was it shown to them because everybody likes that? It's a hard. It's a hard. There's not enough female wrestling fans in the audience in 2009 to cater to. So when, no matter where you're putting that match, you're damned if you did. 2023. Women have main evented pay per views because it fucking works now because there mm-hmm. are girls that are but wrestling they, fans. Now. They made it a priority to try to market it, whether it works. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying again. That's fair. I'm, I, that, I, I'm going I, this I, way. I don't, I don't know, know about, about the ratings. 
I don't know about the ratings. I don't know about the money draw. I'm just saying for my experience as both Mm -hmm. a fan in the audience and also wrestling. When I look into a crowd that I'm either in or watching me wrestle, Mm -hmm. fucking 95% male. That's, That's what it was forever. So think about this. What came first? Lingerie matches or Wendy Richter and Fabulous Moolah? Well, technically, it was Wendy Richter and Fabulous yeah. Moolah. Lingerie became a gimmick for the time. fucking put female asses in the seats. So what do they do? They put women on TV, and they got to do what makes male asses stay there. And that's what I mean by that. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to – I will not accept the argument that guys wanted the four horsewomen but never got them. Guys took whatever the fuck was given to them because, oh, I like lingerie shit. It was younger kids and girls coming mm-hmm. that then appreciated the four horsewomen and made them have no choice but to promote women wrestling on equal ground. Does that make sense? That's my argument. No, yeah, that's, that's fair. It's not that, that's that they fair. weren't given the chance. It's right. that nobody fucking cares when they were because it was nobody there that was a fan of it. But that's that's kind of like what I'm trying to say, because I'm just looking at it from the context of what Vince McMahon prioritized, especially at this time. Nobody cared in 2009 that these five women and two of them were were a divas and a women's champion. Yeah, Michelle McCool on was, yeah, one on each team. But no one cared because that's what Vince McMahon did. Unless they sexual unless he sexualized them in these gimmick matches. And again, those were just hokey as shit and short as shit, too. But. I push back a little bit on the fandom part. I'm not saying that every man wanted to see every female five-star, you know, Okada versus Omega match. No, no, no. Right. Just wanted to see the same preference, you know, preference like a like you and I are I as fans. Doubt, I don't story doubt lines guys in a, there, but story not a lot line, of them. Storyline driven promos, and then it you get paid off with a good, decent match. That How oh, are okay. the women in ECW used. That was sexualized, but there were limited wrestlers. There were not that many wrestlers. I know that, but, but that's what I'm telling you. That's what you're, was you're right on that instance. But Look when you at have these a girls in this match, only right. two that are still around. First of all, the only one still around wrestling is Mickey James. Everybody else is gone. Melina might be doing indie somewhere, but she's Could a be. shell of her former self, right? Mm-hmm. But everyone in this fucking what's that girl that used to couldn't sing? Lillian or Gillian? Gillian Hall. Drizzling shits. Michelle McCool, I still can't believe if anyone wants to fucking fire nepotism at somebody, it should be her. And it's not even nepotism because she's not someone's kid. She, mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure by this point she's with The Undertaker because she has crosses on her boots that's almost like a tip to the hat to The Undertaker. And then be, she's yeah. not even there much longer because he's like, yeah, my, my bitch ain't going to be in this locker room. You're going home and having babies. But the, the thing is, none of them are. Mickey James is awesome. Gail Kim is awesome. That's it. Fucking mm-hmm. Eva Torres. I love her. I still, if there was a poster available, I put it on my wall and I fucking do dirty things when I'm looking at it. But the but point she's is, not off. But she's she not was off. not good. Mm-hmm. Right? She tried. I like, I think Layla was better than the rest of them in there other than Gail and, and Mickey. But she my was, point she is, was green. She was green, you though. You can't give them the Omega Okada match if they're not capable of giving it to you. And Mickey versus Gail might have. But how many times are you going to have that match? That was the problem with Moolah and, and fucking Wendy. They're the only two 
they could have a decent match until they brought in the Japanese bomb or jumping bomb angels and then the the glamour guys. But but they gave you characters, they gave you a storyline, and they added oomph with Cindy Lawford. That's all people ask for when when you're a wrestling fan. Just just make that in the same context. And they did that, but, but the point is that did not change, that did not revolutionize women's wrestling, yeah. even given the chance to do it. It took NXT and Impact to, first of all, Prior- Impact really didn't have a choice. They just had better women than guys because of the talent pool available. And they, they, they showcased them, and it stuck. But I promise you, it wasn't overnight. People were like, ah, oh, fucking women's match, ah, oh, women's match. But here's, here's the last question I'm going to ask you about this. Mm-hmm. We're on the yeah. same page. It might not seem right. like it. We just oh, yeah, disagree yeah. with why. But mm-hmm. here's the here's the thing. It's there's two things in my life, not glam rock, because that's prevalent women. Metal and wrestling are two things in my life that anytime, because it wasn't often, anytime I ran across a girl that was into either one of them, I was dumbstruck by it. Like, whoa, you like wrestling? Let me talk to you, right? And, a, and then a I metal head, a metalhead wrestling fan. That's what you. No, said? no, either or. Oh. Oh, okay. Like girls like John Bon Jovi and Bret Michaels because they're cute. They don't like fucking Slayer and Sepultura because they're fucking scary, right? And I don't even like that. But I'm saying like Iron Maiden, Metallica, stuff like that. Nowadays, mm-hmm. people like it because it became social media has made people like stuff they never would have liked before, right? Mm-hmm. Wrestling among them. Wrestling, you you just not run around bragging about being a wrestling fan. Let's just put it that way. Now you can. But I wear my, my shirt proud. How many how <laughs> many girls pre-internet mm-hmm. did you even know in your life growing up? Oh my God, you like ECW too? We should go together sometime. How many times did that happen in your life? Probably none. none. And if you met one, you met them there. They were already there because someone else already got them watching it. So that's my point. And, is and some of those not, girls were were fat and bloated too. So I'm yeah, just, I didn't want to say it. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I, in both instances, metal and wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and in like hockey's different because girls would wear jerseys to school and stuff. Because Steve Eisenman's cute. Like you needed someone cute to make girls like this shit. So, mm-hmm. and then again, even so, when girls did like wrestling. They didn't, they didn't like the girls. They fucking they wanted and to see Shawn Michaels. They wanted to no, see. They, well, yeah, it was Shawn Michaels. It was The Rock. It was the it was the guys with the the muscle bone guys that that would look sexy. Of course, you had to give them a hook. It's always so, a hook. So I think we both can tie this up with a bow and agree that mm-hmm. yes, the wrestling business is better for it now that it's not that way anymore. Yeah. And and you know if there was a five on five Survivor Series match this past weekend. They, they had 30 women to choose from. The proof of that is the Royal Rumble. And that's just in staff. They could have brought in other people like they do for the Royal Rumble to, to add to even more. Like, come on. How, how awesome was it Mickey James with the Impact Women's title was in the fucking Royal Rumble? That's cool shit. And it's all mm-hmm. because partially Impact, partially NXT made it cool for guys and girls to like female wrestling and yeah. take it serious. Like I said, it just takes time for a lot of things. And in two thousand nine, it's so popular now that Damian Priest, his gear looks like he's in the women's division. He he wears the outfit like they do. Androgyny crosses no barriers. That's Travis sent me a text. Man, Damian Priest needs to stop wearing women's tops. And I don't know where to begin picking on Travis. So he's wore fishnets. He's wore fishnets for years. But again, no, 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 no. Even... It's like a corset and it's tight, oh. tight on the side. I saw as soon as I turned on, I saw. I go, this is the one he's talking about. But 
I didn't know what to make fun of more. The fact that Travis was like nervous about watching him with that because he will not watch women's wrestling. Wink, wink. And he, second, he uh, he um, he wants to heal it. He wants to. I didn't uh, know if I should make fun of him for calling it a top. He should have said women's shirt. Yes, he <laughs> should have. Shawn Michaels. I've been on Shawn Michaels, and then Batista. Who I said did he did he borrow Shawn Michaels shirt? He wore that tank top that was absolutely from the women's department when he absolutely. wore that black tank yeah. top, and then Batista started wearing it. But mm-hmm. but Travis, yeah, he he got heated because Damian Priest was wearing. So I had to get that in there. One yeah. more test to see if Travis is still listening to us. Again, Travis androgyny crosses no barriers. But again, neither here nor there. But let's close out this with the main event here. Oh. As I would say, the main event of Survivor Series 2009, and of course, this was for the WWE title, and this was a triple threat. John Cena was defending his championship against the Generation X, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels. And again, the same thing, TW came into this match and came into play within the first five seconds. Would two friends, you know, would, would the greed of the WWE championship cost a friendship, a lifelong friendship. The DX would it implode and Shawn Michaels in five seconds said yes, I want the heavyweight championship <laughs> by super kicking Triple H out of the ring. So, you know, TW, you said you took some notes about this match and you liked this. This was your favorite match of the night of two, of the Survivor Series 2009. So, the floor yeah, is because yours. So, you, you have, like, I'll be honest, I don't even remember much of the big show Jericho will take your match. Um, I don't even remember if Jericho and Big Show ever laid even hands on each other. Um, they, they they laid a little hands on each other, right? But like a little, but mostly focused on stopping the other one from winning, not trying to beat mm-hmm. him. I loved that immediately because I'm not a big trip threat match guy because it's very formulated, formula, formulated, formulated, formulated. Mm-hmm. in in every promotion. When there's three guys, it's you two go for a couple moves, powder. You two go for a couple moves, powder. The other guy comes in. You two go for a couple moves, and then eventually all three of them are in there. It's very formulatic. For, formulated. 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 And so it's, it's just predictable. It's boring. Never saw that super kick coming. Never. I, I was waiting for, you go first. And then Sean get out-wrestled by, by seeing, I'm booking this shit right now. I should get a job there. And then mm-hmm. Sean goes, fuck you. You do it. Triple H gets schooled by by you know, Cena, and then all three of them are standing there, and they work together to beat Cena up, throw him out, and then they start, one of them does a super kick and beats the other one up, because the stakes are high now. But to do it immediately, and then have the look on his face, because what's been the what's been the, the story of Shawn Michaels since he came back? He's a born-again Christian, he wanted no part in being a bad guy, he wanted no part of, but yet, he still has pockets of vintage Shawn Michaels and doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then, later on, Triple H turns the tables. It looks like he's saving Sean. Instead, pushes Cena out of the way. No, he lets Sean push Cena out of the way. And then he spine busters him through the table to give him his 20-minute break while Triple H and Cena go at it. And it, it just, it was, it, this, this is, again, hindsight. People criticizing it. People who think the WWE never does anything right. This match is an example of them doing it right. It's everything about it works, including the finish. It just, it's so good. And and very, you know, Triple H takes the pin. You'd have saw that coming. You'd have thought Sean would have been taken in. Because two years earlier, I watched Sean tap out to the STF, and they even did a little tip of the hat to that in the middle of this match. I'll say this, TW, because, again, the beauty of John Cena, again, 
you, we, we have to appreciate things. And I don't think a lot of people appreciate John Cena until now. You know, people respect John Cena. You and I always have. It, I've, I had the shirts. But the beauty of it, because what I loved about 2009, and I'll tell Reflection Ice this, at first it was to egg on the people who hated John Cena. I wear my John Cena shirt. I'm like hustle, loyalty, and respect. I was, and of course, the smart thing was what the ladies with their kids. I'm trying to get to the ladies. I'm like, yeah, so you that was first. Kids. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you had to find a way to get to the pussy. Did you, you say, of course? But, did you hear what course. I said? For, yes, I did hear. But I'm just saying, <laughs> by any means necessary, get to the pussy. But anyway, that's that's. No, I said you were using them to get to their kids. You sick bastard. And you said, of course. Of course. Because the kids will be leaving. You were using the kids to get to her. That's what I mean. Okay. I know English is your third language. I get it. Of course. <laughs> but again, neither here nor there. But the beauty of a John Cena match, TW, you, you saw that the environment itself. Even Matt Stryker, even the way he introduces it, the most polarizing. You know, they were trying to always say that he's the most polarizing WWE champion of all time. The most controversial. He's not controversial reflectionized. It was just that it was a 50-50 split, but the 50-50 was loud enough that you could hear half boos and half cheers. It was so beautiful that people that's never... That's Cena. Cena sucks. That was the beauty of it, and, and that's the longevity, and that's why Cena is one of the... is a goat. I, I in, in contrast, I would say this, T.W., maybe you might agree or maybe not. He's the LeBron James of professional wrestling because of the longevity. He has more of a longevity than Steve Austin. He has more of a longevity than The Rock. He has more of a longevity than Hulkamania. Than anyone. And that's why people don't like that More person. than Bruno. Yeah, more than Bruno in itself because it was a straight, straight line career, you could say. Bruno was still involved with WWE, but again, he had an eight-year championship run, then stopped. Then a three-year championship run, then stopped. Then he just retired and then he came in and out, but he was still involved with WWE. But Cena was main event material. And Bruno was kind of main event material in a different way. But Cena, he was in the admin of so, in the infant stages of social media. He was in the infant stages of paparazzi. He was in a different scale. But I, 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 I call him the LeBron James because people don't respect the longevity. That's just me. You might see it a different way. But the I, atmosphere I that he brings, LeBron James, from day one till now. So I know all about the longevity. He's a moron, but yes, he, but he ain't the goat. I'm Kobe, not talking about. I'm Jordan. not talking about politics. I'm not talking about politics. I'm just talking about. Talking about politics. Kobe and Jordan are not politics. Jordan's the greatest of all time. Kobe's number two. Well, LeBron's the goat, but no, you need to hit that. But he, he looks like a fucking goat. But I'm but bald I'm ass. Just, but I'm just saying. Who's Cena, the Who's the poor man, Sam Jackson? Uh, he was in Get Shorty. Who's the poor man, Sam Jackson? You know I, I'm talking about. I never watched Get Shorty. You know I'm talking ah, Fuck, his name's on. I'm going to find his name out. Uh, Lido. Uh, fuck. You know I'm talking about. He, he's poor man, Sam Jackson. If you couldn't book Sam Jackson, you book this guy instead. Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah, that's it. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm going to tell you his damn name. But while you're looking for the name, talk about Del the Roy atmosphere. Lindo. Del Roy Lindo. That's who okay. LeBron James is. Okay. But I'm just saying, talk about the atmosphere that Cena brought in his prime, in his peak. Can't see it. Oh, okay. Now I know. Oh, okay. I got it. He was poor man, Sam Jackson. 
I don't know about that, but he's a main guy ahead. and gets short. He's a bad guy. Go ahead, TW. Talk about the atmosphere of a of a John Cena match. It was so. I'm like you. Like when when it first happened. It, it, I mean, it's it's you already know my favorite thing in all of wrestling history. Like like for like wow is mm-hmm. Canada cheering Brett and the Hart Foundation and the U.S. booing him so emphatically that Austin got booed in Canada. Right. That's mm-hmm. mind blowing to me. Cena coming out and you can bet the house the deep voices are going to say Cena sucks and the high-pitched voices are going to say let's go Cena and at first I felt bad for him but now that we look at it in hindsight it's the best thing that ever happened to him because this guy generated both he got Mm -hmm. the cheers and the booze and never had to turn heel it was it was a thing of beauty he stuck to it and I think you know, it ended up being a crutch for Cody because he went and did the same thing and the fans straight turned on him. And I think it was a different heat. Um, mm-hmm. But now everyone that hated him, hated him. And everyone that loved him, all love him now. Like he, yeah. he is just that revered. And one of the things I said, because the first shirt that they made was like a 10 year anniversary shirt, which would have been around 2014, I think, or somewhere around there. It was 10 years of excellence. It was whatever. That's the one I bought. And then I bought a oh, bunch the, of the Cena 10 year hustle, loyalty, respect. Yeah. For it? Yeah. yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I thought, do, do people not understand? Like even Hogan wasn't on top. And that's the thing. It wasn't, he was around for 10 years. Cause hell you could give Miz the same kudos. Cause he's been there for almost 20. It's mm-hmm. he was on top for 10 straight years. Like he is the man for 10 and eventually 15 and he's been off and on for the last five but this dude was on top big pops like i said the, the, oh I, I didn't mention it i said cody punk in uh hardy's but the pop that cena got in boston when he came out and won the royal rumble at 30 when he was supposed to be out for nine months with a torn no, that, tricep. Was, that, was, that was msg i was there oh, it was msg he mm-hmm. was supposed to be out for fucking nine months and he came back in three and mm-hmm. look better than he did when he left. That's that's yeah. that's legend shit right there, man. That's and then who else? Kurt Angle's got that. There's guys that Aaron Rodgers is about to do it. That dude's playing a game this year. I'm telling you, he's coming in. I watched that dude walk on the field and just wave to people when he was walking in two weeks ago. A- Aaron Rodgers is gonna beat Big Pharma. That's what it is. But you know, Big Pharma's gonna assassinate Aaron Rodgers. That's, it, it that's might happen. But, it I, might happen. but he's gonna play a game. If, if unless they don't let him. There's 18 Man. weeks, obviously six, 17 games, but there's 18 weeks and he got hurt in week one. That's 17 mm-hmm. weeks. It's going to be insane. And he's, and hopefully it's at home against somebody for the jets and he better get a fucking huge pop. And I hope he wins. Not only that, he's going to get an endorsement from Joe Rogan and Alex Jones for whatever uh, medication that he took any natural herb substance from the mother earth. That's what you're going to do. That Everybody's going to follow the mantra of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's what doctors should do already anyway. I, I asked this guy the other day. You know, when people are constipated, it's a weird thing to use as an example. They, what do they prescribe you? Uh, X-lax type shit, whatever. What do you call that? Um, Laxative. Laxative. Yeah. You know what we can take naturally and it doesn't have any side effects? Magnesium. If you take mm-hmm. magnesium, it does the same thing that X-lax does. But you know what X-lax does on top of that? dehydrates our body and causes cramps and everything else magnesium does none of that but mm-hmm. if they tell you that 
you're never coming back to see him again. You're just gonna that keep is, taking magnesium. Or you just find the the home tree or the like some fruits that have it or whatever, or some foods right. that have magnesium. Foods with probiotics so. in them. Yogurt has probiotic in it. Yeah. So let's put a bow on the the last match. You kind of said it yourself. You liked the way the booking was with this match, but anything else that caught your eye with the the it's main just, event? It just was well done, man. There was there wasn't a part like. Sean oversells quite a bit, but it works. And the the super kick, and then falling out of the ring, and, and Triple H falling. This way, out. this is a couple of months before Shawn Michaels' retirement match against the Undertaker. So this is again, which his is last, one of the greatest matches of all times. This is his last run in WWE yeah. with all this going on. So with that being said, damn, a, his his retirement match was 2010. Yeah, he already he lost to Undertaker in the first He's one. He's been retired then, for 14 years. Give or take. Well, 13, 14, give or take. It'll be 14 in March. Mm-hmm. What? That's We're old. We're old, yes, I know. It's amazing how far away shit gets in your rearview mirror when you're focused on other shit, right? Absolutely. Like, I couldn't even tell you something I was trying to get through in 2009. I was still married. Maybe the marriage. But uh, I was... That's what? I thought Sean retired like four years ago, five years ago. Wow. Let, let, let's put a bow in this and let me ask you this in a hypothetical what if scenario, because, again, like I said, the theme to me of 2000 of this 2009 Survivor Series that I wanted you to see was the hybrid of what Vince McMahon was trying to do. So let's put a what if spin on this. What if somebody like and let's not, you know, again, there's no AEW. Nobody got cut. Nobody did the indie tours. If Vince McMahon. Could Vince McMahon book Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Cody Rhodes, uh, Kofi Kingston to be the, the next set of stalwarts you know, for the next 10 years run? For the next 10 year run, could you foreseeably see it if they did? Because they didn't. He didn't do it, really. Everybody had to do something different. Sheamus, I think, elevated. Is, is this before or after he was world champ? Before. Yeah, so Seamus did, Jack Jack Swagger did, um, but he he he's a clown. But he's a good hand. He's a good hand. Mm-hmm. But he definitely he definitely comes across as somebody that's always high to me. Like when I see him, like like I thought it was just the ADEW version, but then it's when gotta I be the list. Match, it's, it's the list, man. It's the oh, list. The list was crippling. It's crippling, mm-hmm. man, for sure. But but I don't think Drew's main event there. I I think I I, I don't think I thought it then. But I do now, in hindsight, The Miz could have been there. Because really what you want is you want someone to make fans care one way or the other, that you either do win or you don't, for sure. And I think Miz had that. I don't think Drew did. I think Sheamus was getting there. Um, Where was Wade Barrett? Is this before Wade Barrett? Uh, This is probably a couple of – this is before NXT became a thing. So this was about a year or two. This was this was a year or two before NXT. Right? No, he didn't ever win it. I know his IC no. champ. IC. I thought he won it from Cena and lost it, and that was why people started turning on Cena. Was because nah, he took the that was Brian. That was Danny Bryan. He won it from Cena. Mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan beat Cena for the world title. Mm-hmm. SummerSlam 2013, and then lost it to Randy Orton when he cashed in the Money in the Bank. Same night. Mm-hmm. This is why Cena I have beat a... Brian or Brian beat Cena? Brian beat Cena. 
Wow. I didn't even know. His first world title was Michaels and Triple H, all right? Who? Or no, Ben. No, that was Benoit. See, yo, you, oh, no, you he love, beat you Batista, love me. then he beat Triple H. He beat Batista first, then Triple H. No, he beat Triple H first, then he beat uh, Batista and Orton in 2014 WrestleMania. So it was a triple threat. Okay, that's yes. his first world title. Mm-hmm. Well, his yeah. second. That was his second world title. When was this shit? That was that. That was the same year. That was the he movement. He had already been world champion when yes. that started? He was already a world champion and the, the world heavyweight thing, champion. I thought that was the whole thing that made him world champion because he never had been and they were doing all do that. You, do you remember 2009 Survivor Series there was a world heavyweight champion and a WWE champion? That's why I told you this is why we had a discussion about Kofi Kingston not even get, sniffing it because of racism. That's why you proved my point. You proved my point. And with that being said, Reflection Night, we close on, because I love closing it on the professor being right. We close on episode 178 <laughs> of Survivor Series 2009. And what we're going to do next time, Reflection Nights, you know what? It's time. Go, put on the Christmas lights. I don't care. I'm not going to get mad. It is it is the, it is the season. I'm not, I'm not going to get mad. It, it is right. See, there you go. The lights are, are blinking right in front of the professor's face. Broken clocks right twice a day, professor. Right. I, I break every time. But anyway, <laughs> next week, I think we have to go back into the what ifs uh, spiel. And I think we have to we have to like change the course of history. Maybe we might change it for the better. We might change the dynamics. But in the intros, if you since people are a fan of what ifs, TW, there is something that Big Ray says in the intro. So we're going to pay homage to that. What if Magnum T.A. never got into that motorcycle accident? We're going to book Magnum T.A. to the moon and beyond. So get your thinking cap on for next week. We're going to talk about maybe that heavyweight title reign or maybe feuds that could have happened or should have happened. So you know what? Get your thinking cap on. Get your booking hat on. So, T.W., with that being said, give out those socials so we can get out of here. All righty. Pro Wrestling Coalition Network sponsors us at PWC Network at Podbean.com. You can also find the Hameen Media Group at Hameen Media Group at Podbean.com, as well as ChannelAttitude.com. You can find us on X at PW Reflection. Um, you can find Travis, who I mentioned, at Nuts and Volts PW. You can find Big Ray everywhere. At Big Ray Hernandez is his handle on everything, and you can find him every Wednesday on the Next Level Podcast. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tommy119. You can find uh, X. I, I had X and then I lost X, it. Sir. That's what and you then you can X, find sir. you can find me on X as well as TikTok at the Tommy Wonder. Snapchat is number wonder, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. I have deleted my threads, um, but somehow Instagram keeps showing me threads. And when I get fired up at them and I click on them, it won't let me write on them because I my thing's gonna be deleted on December 24th, it says. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they think I'm gonna change my mind. Um, I want them to stop showing me threads on Instagram because it's always shit I disagree with. I think it's on purpose to agitate me and piss me off. I have to go there and hurt people's feelings. And I'm like, I already do that enough here. So um, if, if Xer is the conserva conservative algorithm, then threads is the liberal algorithm. So you got to get the, a little bit of both. It's, it's, it's not that because every now and again, the threads will be something I do agree with. But it's like, I, why would you even show me this? I think I told you this before. Two people I got nothing to say to on Instagram or Twitter are Chris Evans and fucking Negan. And 
both of them, they'll tell me, this is what Chris Evans just tweeted recently. I'm like, and I wrote him. I'm like, why do you keep showing me? I go, I don't want to block the guy. I don't know if you keep stats on that, but I don't got, I don't want to hear anything that guy has to say. Is, so is he wearing, is he, is he wearing the Damien Priest top that you don't want to see on it? No, he's oh, just okay. an idiot who, who means well, but doesn't okay. understand fucking. Just, just checking, just checking. Just common checking. sense. That's but, uh, just, just yeah. So anyways, you can find Big Vito in the well at bigvitobrand.wixsite.com, patreon.com backslash the Big Vito brand. And you can watch the early release of the reflection video at twitch.tv backslash the Big Vito brand. And I'm sure they have other stuff there for them, too. And you can also watch the early release on Big Ray's uh, Xer handle, too. So with that being said, you can find me on my Xer at PWSOPRF. That's PWSOPROF. And if this gets uploaded by 8-Track Brown, this will be on the PWSO YouTube network. Follow my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine at ob one You Know Me. And, of course, the king of the reactions, 8-Track Brown at the number 8, T-R-A-C Brown. And, again, next week, we're going to do a what if. T.W., get your thinking cap on, get your booking hat on for what if Magnum T.A. never got into a motorcycle accident. We would book. We're going to try to book him to the moon and beyond. And with that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful. Dum Dum Do Idiot Zone. The conservative liberal. The liberal conservative. Tommy Wonder saying goodnight. And we'll see you next time here at the PWR podcast at the Hami Media Group at Podbean.com. Give, give out the X for the DX. Peace. X-Pac. Uh, no, CM Punk. And also, you can start listening to Christmas music now. I already have since November 1st. I already know you did, so you didn't <laughs>